What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had one of our favorite reoccurring guests, our unofficial co-host of Two White Lights, one of our unofficial co-hosts of Two White Lights, Garrett Fear, to preview the showdown that is happening this weekend, and this was an awesome preview. We always have a great time with Garrett on the show. The chemistry is always there. It's a real all-star trio of guys, myself included, don't mean to put myself over, but also Steve Denovi. And we go through every single weight class from the men's side and every single weight class from the women's side. It is a longer episode. We put timestamps in there when we talk about the men, when we talk about the women. We give our predictions of the top five men and female where they're going to place this was just a lot of fun, uh, lots of hot takes, lots of predictions, and lots of great insight. The reason why I love having Garrett on, not only is he a fantastic conversationalist, but he does his research on everything. And of course, Steve Denovi does his research as well. So it's a fantastic mix of giving our opinions, giving some hot takes, and also going through some insight and giving a breakdown of these lifters and actually giving some limelight to these lifters as well who are competing at the showdown, which is shaping up to be an awesome, awesome meet. Can't wait for it. We're definitely going to have a recap with Garrett uh, the following week when things unfold. So, again, awesome, awesome interview, awesome episode. Not really an interview. Awesome episode, awesome preview. One of the favorite previews I've done, and it's a longer episode. Remember that. So this time stamps are important. might want to break it up into two days, but make sure to listen to all of it because it is great from start to finish. Also, we have our the episode on our Twitch as well, so we have that archived for you guys so you guys can watch it live, get some of the comments that were made on Twitch. Again, amazing preview. Uh, I'm sorry, amazing preview. But first we get before we get into our preview, got to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftfloorbros.com. Definitely follow them on Instagram and check out all the dope new designs they're coming out with that they continue to come out with and just see them promote powerlifting and help powerlifting. They are doing a fantastic job. I am proud to be a Leffler Bros athlete and this show to be sponsored by Leffler Bros. Also, they were a huge part in helping us get the equipment. I cannot thank you enough for that. But you guys want to know about the, all their different merchandise that they have. Their drops have been fantastic. I just got my dad hat, my joggers, my tank top. They continuously come out with new and better merchandise and they are consistent with it. And they make you look good in the gym, outside the gym, on the platform as well because they got comp tees. Use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Fill your shopping cart up with Leffler Bros merchandise and make sure you use that promo code 2WL15. Also, we have two White Lights merchandise sold on there as well. We just dropped our new Twitching Out tees. Those are fantastic. They look amazing. They look a lot different from our two White Lights uh, designs that we have. And we have many of them. We have the original tee, the finite tee, the off-the-top rope tee. We have a dad head as well, some banners. So get your Two White Lights merchandise exclusively on leftfloorbros.com. We have a link on twowhitelights.com just taking you straight to Left Floor Bros. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to fill your shopping cart up with Left Floor Bros merchandise because they have fantastic stuff. Also with Two White Lights merchandise as well. And you're going to use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Also, make sure you are going on lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. I only wear them because they have the best, most affordable quality equipment in powerlifting right now, and you can quote me on that. It's affordable from their knee sleeves to the singlets to the wrist straps. It's all IPF approved. It's all quality as well. 
it is even more affordable if you use that promo code Angelo10 to save yourself some money at checkout. Don't forget that promo code Angelo10 for all stoic gear. Also, Notorious Lift. Get yourself some no-slip drip slippers. Get yourself some slippers. Make sure you get their colorways. They are coming out with some great drops. The cherry blossom that's coming out definitely is going to sell out very fast. So make sure you're following them on Instagram. Sign up for the newsletter so you get those drops very quick. Keep up to date with the drops and use promo code AND15. That's A-N-T-15. And you will save yourself some money on Notorious Lift Slippers. I'm telling you, they drop. their drops go so quick. And you do not want to miss out on all the colorways they had. I said the last episode, I just commentated Warcat, uh, the Warcat California State Championships. Almost every single lifter had Notorious Lift. And also, they all were different. So many different colorways, so many different designs. That's why I love Notorious Lift. They make you deadlift good, but also look good doing it. And that's pretty much all of it, right? You look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. Deion Sanders said it, so it must be true. Make sure you use that promo code AND15 to save yourself some money on the best slippers in powerlifting. Also, make sure you guys are going on our new and improved Two White Lights website. we got to thank Kyle Miller, Kyle Project Strength, and the Project Strength for developing that for us. It is fantastic. We are consistently going to come out with more content on the website. You have the live streams. You have the episodes. You can subscribe to all of our different platforms that we are on. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can use the site to subscribe on there, but also subscribe to the website as well because we're going to have some really great content on that episode and I mean, on the website um, and also the showdown live stream, we're going to, you know, we have the upcoming meet, our meet schedule. We're going to try to get that link for you. It's on Core Sports, so I don't really know how that works exactly, but we will have a place where you can view the live streams and know where the live streams are at. Think of live streams, think of twowhitelights.com, and also all powerlifting content media, we're going to try to have on twowhitelights.com. We're trying to grow the website, and we thank you so much for the support. Recently, we posted on our story, we just got some new equipment high-quality equipment, too. we got to thank our sponsors, uh, Leffler Bros, for helping us with that. Also, the donors. The donations that were sent to Two White Lights has been so great. If you guys still want to donate, because we still need a little bit more to handle all the power of the uh, the equipment we got, feel free to donate. Uh, reach out to us to see how you can donate. Uh, you know, it's not a forced thing or anything, but um, if people have donated, and I cannot, I cannot be more grateful. I don't even know how to get back to them as far as, like, it was uh, just a, a very meaningful thing that they did. And uh, Two White Lights is growing, and I'm very happy for that. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, we have us a two white lights favorite, a preview show, and Garrett Fear helping us with the preview show of the showdown that's coming up this week. I am very excited for this. Garrett, it's so nice to see you. Oh, it's always nice to see you two babies. I love I love being in a virtual room with you guys. We got to work out where we're in an actual room together soon. And if you guys saw, we got some two white lights equipment, so that can actually happen one of these days. I'm very excited about that. <gasps> I'm stoked about that. Only thing I'm disappointed about, the last podcast we did, we had seen nipples by this point. We haven't seen nipples yet. We have? Oh, please. Oh, oh there, there we go. We're we live go. on Twitch, too, so that's good. 
At Twitch too, they're gonna start. I gotta put eighteen plus mature content. <laughs> all of our all of our four viewers right now got a really great, and we're three of them. So we got a really great. <laughs> we got a really great show for that. Shout out to the other guy. Um, but we have a preview for the showdown. We do this for every big meet. Uh, so this actually came up in conversation recently, and I think it's a good place to start. The showdown had so much hype going into uh, a few months ago. It was incredibly hyped. A lot of lifters were signed on to do it. They were amped. We had a show on it, comparing it to the rum. And since then, it's lost a little bit of luster because this happens in powerlifting a lot. Lifters have their interest in doing the meets, but injuries happen, life happens, and lifters drop out. But still, I think that just clouds the fact that it's still a really, really great meet, stacked roster, amazing lifters, you're going to get some amazing battles in there. It's just the, the troubles of promoting meat like 15 weeks before lifters start their prep. Yeah, um, I think I think this for a long time was like pointed out as an issue in the, on the untested side. But I think that was mainly because uh, the, you know, the circuit APL side was just so cut and dry. It was mm-hmm. you know, state meets, regional meets, national meets, IPF. So like everybody kind of had their plan already laid out. Now that you're starting to see meets like the Virginia Pro being thrown in on the tested side, you're kind of seeing that same thing here. The meet blows up, all these people sign up for it. You know, we're 16, 20 plus weeks out. And then before you know it, people just start falling like flies. And that's kind of always what happens with these high-level meets. Um, Kern, Tribute, Pioneer Open, Big Dogs, uh, uh, you know, showdown, this, this always, always happens. Um, you know, it sucks because it's almost like, like, especially when you first read the roster, like the first time that roster is published mm-hmm. and you, you see like 120 of literally the on the planet and like the potential storylines that could be created, the potential breakout performances that we as spectators and fans would get to see those all kind of dissipate very, very quickly. And then it just be, kind of becomes the same Eat that we've seen before, or the same five people take. Um, I don't think we're quite there where we're we're going to see the same five people destroy the meat. Um, and even if we do, I think we'll see a lot of performances this time around from people who we haven't got to see best yet. So regardless of the situation, as far as advertising for contest goes, too early. Um, I'm excited for this one. Really excited for this one. I am too. And you made a good point that's happening on the tested side as well, uh, because. Like the Virginia Pro, we have all these people signed up, and then as things happen, as developments happen, they drop out, whether it be injury or just them just not wanting to do the meet. And then when Showdown happened, it was what? We had Ashton Ruska, who was slated to do it, Sean Noriega, Daniela Mello. And that was just like given the circumstance, because we didn't know what the hell was going to happen with IPF Worlds and uh, what we wanted to do as far as just uh, like the lifters were openly taking suspensions. And now that it's completely changed and then you have nationals, you kind of have a, like a schedule for USAPL. The USAPL lifters dip a little bit. They get out of that. And then they uh, then the showdown loses its, uh, loses a little bit of its uh, hype, if you will. And then, you know, hyping up the meets, like from just uh, the meet director standpoint or people involved in it, you kind of lose it because that was one of the big storylines. But, again, it, it's, just, it's a shame because then you have this uh, – this, this idea that it's not as good as a meet, and it is. Like, it's a fantastic meet. Like, you're not, when looking through the roster, you are not going to see a better meet. They're typically throughout powerlifting throughout a year. Like, this is just incredibly stacked for men and female, and 
if it wasn't stacked, we wouldn't have a preview show on it, right? So we're doing a preview show on it. It's got to be stacked. I think compared to some other untested meets in the showdown, even last year, though, I mean, there's always going to be dropouts. Uh, um, I think the reasons on the tested side that it has kept people accountable is because of those stepping stones. You feel like you have to do the meet. This, you don't have to. I just wait till the hybrid showdown or I wait till the, till the next one. Um, there definitely is, I feel like, more competition in this one from top to bottom than there has been in the past, which is awesome. Um, one question I have here, because this is where I some of the hype was really high and we haven't heard much, is they're really hyping about all this production stuff that they were going to be doing. And then we never really heard much about what was that. I do know... Um, they are live streaming through Core Sports, and you're going to be uh, commentating. Do you know much about the Core Sports? Is it you running it and just goes to their broadcast, or are they coming in and actually setting things up? Uh, Core Sports does do – they are the uh, – they're who are hosting the live stream, but the actual company that does the live stream is called uh, LDV Sports. Uh, means let's do video. Uh, that's ran by Ana Perez and David Maldo. And as far as I know, um, they are the ones coming in and actually production as far as live stream goes. Uh, essentially, Angelo, if you remember what we did at the Hoosier Cup, yeah. it's going to be that, but like extreme. It's going to be this, this a similar concept, except they're, they're actually, as far as I know, they're actually going to be there and essentially be the producers of the event where the last time on, I was the producer and I was hosting. Yeah. So I was kind of like flipping buttons, and, you know, all that stuff. So as far as I know, they'll actually be in charge of doing that this time around. So as far as I know, the live stream production is, is, is going to be high, uh, high value. Um, <clears throat> I will say, I do know that Luke was the meat director. He was pretty skeptical about a month ago. Meat was honestly even going to happen. About a month ago, I don't know if you guys remember, all of the um, the COVID stuff kind of started kicking back up. People were getting scared, and you know, places started shutting down and remandating masks and stuff like that. So he wasn't even sure if it was going to happen. So I know he was he was pretty uh, heavy with the trigger, you know, on much of the stuff. I'm sure the production value will still be wonderful mm-hmm. as far as the live stream goes. Uh, as far as the in-house production value, I don't know how different it's going to be from the year before. It is in the same venue, which, by the way, is an amazing venue. It's uh, one of the biggest CrossFit gyms I've ever seen. It's an old warehouse. It's awesome. Like The lighting is great. It's sick. Um, I hope that what we were told as far as production value, um, I hope that what we were told is what is there. I hope that we still see that high level of production um, obviously, that's something that the three of us have all been, uh, uh, you know, kind of root, uh, hoping or pushing for and powerlifting is, is higher production values. You know, uh, like, for example, what USAPL Virginia has been doing, those meets are just such high production. The live streams haven't been great, but, you know, at, at contests like this, you kind of need to see the, the high level of production value. Um, in the stream, in the virtual end of things, and in the physical end of things. Yeah. So I really do hope. I really do hope that we see that this time around. I think it. I think especially with a meet like this, that's this stat that has this many competitors. I think it could really be a really big draw as far as spectation goes. Were you? I know you've just been traveling. Were you at Chico's meet in Ohio? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was. Was that as? Was oh that yes, I was. Well? Yes, it absolutely was. Chico is also competing in this meet. Mm-hmm. Um, he got really root poisoning like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, and three weeks ago. And he literally lost like 10 keys in body weight. Like literally, he looked sick when I saw him. But dude, 
It was amazing. Chico is consistently doing that for every contest. Mm -hmm. And he's got all these nice little details that you wouldn't think you wouldn't even, you'd never even think about. I mean, you'd never, you'd never bother to think that some, like, for example, the last meet that he did was a nine 11 tribute contest. You know, the one that we're talking about. Uh, and a nice little touch that he did is I'm sure you guys heard recently, uh, rest in peace to all the soldiers who lost their lives in Afghanistan. There's 13 soldiers. I believe he laid out 13 chairs, tribute chairs, white sheets, American flags. And it was just such this, nice little touch where it's like it actually felt like it meant something it wasn't it wasn't just for production value it wasn't just to get people to love it it was like he he wanted to actually show that respect Mm -hmm. and and from anything from that all the way to you know his warm-up rooms to the the ease of access for competitors coming into the contest and spectators i mean chico does an absolutely wonderful job chico coin is the man yeah I said that and I forgot one thing is the one issue like I was thinking like it would be super cool if we could get even more people collaborating on a big untested meet that really just continues to rule issue though WRPF versus USPA yeah um, how much can they collaborate well um, the thing is the showdown to be a WRPF event I don't know if this has really been talked about but the the showdown meet originally was simply the pioneer tribute meet and all that happened is essentially Luke kind of, in a way, bought the rights to the meet and then held the meet as the showdown. And then there were, excuse me, there were issues with the original meet director for the contest in New York. Um, and then there were also some issues as far as, you know, normal you know, BS logistical stuff, who's getting what money, stuff like that, politics. Uh, and um, so they went to WRPF kind of last minute. I'm sure a lot of us don't remember that, but the first year of the showdown, it kind of last minute, I would say three months out, four months out, um, is when it was decided it was going to be a WRPF contest. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't see any reason why the USPA couldn't be a show, or the, excuse me, the showdown meet couldn't be a USPA contest again. Um, you know, all in all, all it, it's while yes, WRPF is the sanctioning body, it's not the WRPF's contest. It's Luke's contest. It's JP's contest. It's Eat Right Foods contest. It's Buck Dub's contest. You know, it's it's not the the WRPF is a sanctioning body, but they don't necessarily have the right to the contest. And if the showdown left, it's not like the WRPF would just now host the showdown with this insane level of prize money. Um, so I think it can still be USPA. You know, we've managed to to flip some coins. Um, you know, hybrid is now USPA. Um, you know, I've been I've been I've been I've been slow working on Luke for about a year to try to get him to go back to USPA. Um, frankly, I think on the untested end, uh, the USPA is still what is going to be the best route for local and high-level meets. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even the tested side is, is really upswinging on the local level, um, which is really awesome to see. You know, we all know somebody who not necessarily left for, for any reason that's negative, but just started doing tested USPA meets for one reason or another, whether it was availability or, you know, they wanted to use a deadlift bar, squat bar, what be it. Um, but we know, we all know quite a few people who, who've, who've not necessarily switched, but are also competing on the drug test side of the USPA. So, yeah, I mean, the USPA, I think is the, the body to, to be with as far as uh, non-tested goes. Um, they have the production value. They have the background, they have the rapport, uh, I think all that is very important. It's, they're all things you have to consider. 
there as a meet director when putting on a contest like this. Again, the showdown was made WRPF like last second. It was not their first choice. Um, and as we all know, the WRPF still consistently has its issues. Um, we've seen very few contests that go off. Not that, you know, most contests don't go off without a hitch. You know, they, they don't. But um, we've seen considerably less WRPF contests that go off with less hitches versus USPA. Absolutely. And I think USP also has a local level too, kind of on lockdown. And that's big. Whenever you get to local, local level on lockdown, it's always going to be the growth and, you know, for the better health of that federation. Yeah, I'm at a point now I'm just confused on what is WRPF and what is USPA. Like, you can just tell me, like, as I'm at the meeting, like, oh, this is actually a USPA meet. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought it was a WRPF this entire time. So it's almost interchangeable in a lot of ways. Yeah. One way, one easy way, WRPF almost always has a motto. Almost always. Yeah. There's almost point. always a motto. Yep. All right. Well, production value aside, very looking, much looking forward to you on commentary and a live stream. Looking forward to watching the live stream. We are going to watch these lifters as well. And, you know, we're going to go, I think, weight class by weight class, breaking down the main storylines and also doing our two white lights predictions. Who's right, who's wrong. That's always fun to do as we are doing this. Um, I believe it is top five men and female getting some money at this meet. That's what we're going to do weight class by weight class, but just kind of talk about storylines. Our actual predictions will be who's top five men and who's top five women. Um, that's based off a dot score. There also, because we can also choose this, there is, I don't know the payouts for everything, but there's also going to be a first place prize for biggest squat, biggest bench, and biggest deadlift men and women. Which is freaking dope, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you typically have only been seeing, a lot of times there's payouts for like biggest bench. I don't know why, but that's so common. In, in all federations. I mean, even the um, the Arnold has, like, the bench-only meet that they yeah, do they every the, year. Yeah, they got the pros. They got the single-lift pro meets. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about that. It's going to make people push their, you know, like, for example, it's going to it's gonna push Jamal and Dan Grigsby for higher deadlifts. Yeah. It's going to push uh, Luke Knoll, Craig Foster, and Sean Doyle for higher squats, so on and so forth. I'm stoked about all that. Yeah. All right, well, we can get into the weight classes. Um, so with untested meets, usually the lighter weight classes don't have as big as a roster. It's like the exact opposite in USAPL where the 165 weight class or the 74 kilo weight class is a shit ton of competitors. Like usually when you get to an untested meet, it's not that. So for 148 men, you got Michael Estrella, excellent lifter, 540 squat, 413 bench, 638 or 639 deadlift. He's got himself 560 dots, fantastic lifter, uh, totaling just under 1,600 as a 148-pound male. Um, really, yeah, Mikey's not... a great competitor. I've, I've watched Mikey in person a couple of times. Um, lo- I love watching him. He actually was at the Hoosier Cup coaching as well. Hmm. Um, Mikey's great. Uh, I'm excited to see him back on the platform. I'm pretty sure he hasn't been. He did the hybrid, I believe, in early 2020, and I think that's the last meet that he did. Um, I'm excited to see him back on the platform. Yeah, that's that's someone who, when we get to the top five predictions, I don't have him in my top five, but that wasn't because I don't think it's possible. It's because I don't have any information to know if that's possible. Um, 559 dots puts him right now, based off of people who've actually like, just past meet performances, not predictions, that puts him ninth in the meet, which ninth through fifth is pretty darn close. I think fifth is like 566. 
So if he's made some significant progression, he could be in the picture. It's just that he, I look at his Instagram, he hasn't post, posted in over a year. So there's not really much we can kind of take from his training unless someone knew him well and had inside info. Yep. And like we said, there are a lot of unannounced dropouts at high level contests like this. So who, you know, who knows if he's even going to show up given that he's been completely inactive on the Insta sphere. Yeah, and that's pretty much how we get like 99% of our coverage and predictions for me. It's just us looking at their Instagram and seeing how they're progressing and seeing how their lifts look and where we can predict what's going to be there on meet day, which uh, sometimes works, sometimes seeing doesn't. If yeah, seeing if they're even mentioning how far out they are from me. I know there's been a couple of situations where uh, you know, I'm going through and looking at the competitors for the contest, looking at the roster, and I'll pull up their Instagram. I'm like, like <clears throat> their training is not reflective of what most people will be doing four or five weeks out. It's like... Uh, okay, I don't really know what's well, going on here. Well, that's what happened with Candido uh, for the Hoosier Cup. I was just watching his training. I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like there's no way he's competing at this meet, right? No one's hitting a set of 12. <laughs> by the way, by the way, thanks, Johnny, for never letting me know that you weren't doing the meet. You ignored my DMs, my emails, and my text messages. Real cool, you freaking flake. <laughs> Yeah, I knew once I bought that up, my face turned red. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. That wasn't a great scenario that happened there. And I was I was pissed off about was, that, too. Was, yeah, and I, I know you really would upset. be, too, because you're me. <laughs> I was really upset about that, man. I, I, I gave away a shit ton of money, a yeah. bunch of money. <laughs> and uh, I would have Candido come and do the contest. And he just never told me that he wasn't doing it. Yeah, I, I remember Steve was telling me, he's like, Candido's not doing his meet, right? He's hitting, like, a weird set of 12 on squat. Like, there's no, you don't do that when you're peaking for a meet. Like, I, he's on the roster, but, you know, what do you, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming no, right? And also just the way, like, the training looks. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's uh, buried in the past, I guess. The great thing is, though, we're on Twitch. So we, we, we have all five of <laughs> We have, we have, uh, we have the live reactions of this. So this is fantastic. This is this is why you got to get live shit going. All right, but but yeah, all right. So we have uh, that in the 148 pound weight class. I'm 165 pound males. Still the same thing. Not a big pop. I'm not a big pop. Uh, high population weight class. Not a lot of lifters going into it. Um, do you, uh, for uh, lifters that stick out to you, Garrett? Is there anyone here? Because um, I know we have Ryan uh, Loverich. Uh, with the you know a solid five thirty eight dots, and they're probably going to take yeah. the lead. Yeah, one sixty five. Uh, Loverich looks like he's going to kind of take it. Though I will say the totals aren't very far off. Loverich, I believe, weighed in super light for his contest, so his dots was even higher. Um, I'm pretty sure. I, I want to say Loverich was going for one forty eight at his last contest, and then didn't make weight. I have to double check. Mm. Um, no, he didn't. He, he went at seventy five. But re- regardless. Um, he also did, uh, you know, he improved in, in nine months going from wraps to raw, put like another 15 kilos on his squat. You know, he's been competing since 2018, though his dot score, his coefficient has remained right around the same level. You see, uh, only one USPA meet on his, uh, on his record, which was actually his best meet. So it looks like he's probably been improving over time. So if I had to guess, we'll see a, a little bit of a better improved performance from Loverich. But again, I haven't seen too much of him. I, I've never seen and I couldn't find uh, Jake Rosenthal's Instagram, his open power look nothing. I don't even know how this guy got into the meet if there's no credentials whatsoever. But 
who knows. Uh, as for Zach Kim, I believe he's a younger competitor, up and coming. Uh, so regardless, I'm always excited to see people kind of make their their first uh, footsteps onto these higher level meets. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've, I've been a part of this circuit before as a competitor, and uh, the, the, the first couple times you do it, man, it is it is exhilarating. So the reason the the dot scores are so different there, Zach's last meet, um, he weighed 177. Ah. He hasn't competed, he hasn't competed at 165 since 2019. Oh, that's scary. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's one of those things too. Is like we had these people. I mean, not saying this is going to be Zach, but untested meets. You're going to have some people showing up wanting to win money, so they're going to cut a lot of weight. And how many of these people? Well, the good thing is, like in the sense of the money, you don't have to make weight per se. But we might see exactly. some more aggressive weight cuts because of that. Yeah. Well, that and. And the 24-hour weigh-in, uh, that the 24-hour weigh-in, and uh, you know, with literally at weigh-ins, there will be IV stations. So people yeah. are definitely going to be taking considerably higher risks uh, as far as their weight cuts go. Um, you know, we've we've seen it on some of the tested meets. Um, Ghost, the Ghost Hoosier Cup is a great example. Um, ben Poor made 198, no problem, but he tried to get, excuse me, down to about 193 to hit a specific dots goal that he thought would. Be Cole DiPietro. Yeah. And Cole so, made a big cut uh, himself. He weighed in at like 157 yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I mean, we're definitely going to see more of that. I don't think we're going to see as much of that from the 100 kilo plus weight classes, um, but we'll see a quite, I think we'll see quite a bit of that in the 90 kilos and under. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's really freaky, even freakier about all that, honestly, is that uh, the smaller guys are typically considerably leaner. So when you see those guys at weigh ins, they look. Scary. Yeah. I mean, they look scary. Well, I gotta ask this question. There's no curtains gonna be at this weigh-in, right? What? There's, there's, there's gonna no be no curtains. curtains? I mean, I have to a- hang off of it just a little bit, or oh. just maybe to put your hand on it. They're like, we gotta remove all curtains now. You gotta weigh in oh, butt ass naked. CrossFit gym, and they have they. Is that the CrossFit gym, and they have rings hanging from the bars. Certainly, <laughs> those rings aren't right above the scale. For those of you who don't know what he's referencing, I'm just gonna point it out immediately. Gerald Biona got kicked out of the current this last year. He got caught trying to cheat and hanging on the tent poles. Uh, he was like suspending, attempting to suspend himself from the tent as if nobody noticed. Uh, that's the that's the joke. Thing. Yeah, it's well, and then what you said too. Him, he himself, he was so into pictures of like his weight because he's like oh, what, 130 pounds or something. He was just so yeah, ridiculously so he, peeled. And dehydrated, and it was just kind of scary to look at, to like watch that. So yeah, that's what you do see on the uh, untested side. Also, by the way, I had to test it out myself. That fucking works. If you just put your hand a little bit on a table, on a scale, I seriously made my weight fluctuate between like 160 pounds to 185 pounds. And it was just a little bit of pressure. It also works the opposite way. If you pull on a table or something, it'll read a higher weight from that. On the S scale. That's why on Instagram, when people put weight on a scale and I see a countertop nearby, yeah. I immediately don't trust it. Yeah. Immediately. Oh, I'm going to do that. Kid, Shit. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to weigh myself I, and like at 160 and be like, looks like I'm being a 74 kilo boy now. You, and you, I just, yeah, just you need to get pushed up on something. So you go like 195 and people think you're getting huge. Actually, that would be more of a shocker for you. Yeah, the first meet I ever refereed at, I helped with the lands. And I actually moved the scale because it was in a bathroom stall, and it was the handicap stall. So there were the rails. 
the Council I actually moved it, and the meat director, uh, I won't say his name, but the meat director was like, why did you move the scale? And I explained it to him. He goes, why would anybody ever do that? And oh, you, here we are yeah. a couple of years later, and it's been done on a high level. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, that was wild to me. But, I, of course, when I heard about it, I'm like, does that shit actually work? And I tested it myself. I'm like, holy fuck, it works really, really well, actually. Um, I didn't that's know it. that, but yeah, that was that's uh, physics, Daddy. Yeah, that's physics. Yeah, so so uh, I, I'm I'm confident we won't see any of that at this meet. Um, but uh, all right, so now on to 181 pound men, uh, getting a little bit more of the popular weight class, and Blake LeHue. Blake LeHue, his last meet at the Kern was his meet. I was stoked to see it. He hit his numbers. He hit what he was capable of doing. He had the reputation of not being able to do that. He went out to the Kern. He did it. He kicked ass. He's fantastic. And now, him being projected in the top five is not ridiculous. Like, it was always a thing. Like, if this dude could hit his lifts, he'll be in the top five. But he never did. Now, he's doing it. And I'm excited to see. I'm excited. To, like, And also, on top of that, all of his lifts are fun to watch. Like, you don't know what's going to happen with all of his lifts. He takes out his lifts. He Fonder. takes out his six- <laughs> Fun or scary? They're so interchangeable. There's a fine line between fun and scary with lifting. Like, when he walks out of squat, like, okay, what's going to happen here? When he deadlifts, what's going to happen here? I love watching him. I love I love Blake with you. I do, too. Yeah, I do, too. Um, uh, one thing we got to remember about Blake's last meet is he got he got real close to a 501 bench. Mm-hmm. Um, he, got, he got really close to an 810 deadlift. Um, and then his squats were just kind of zooming on the whole day. Uh, I, I think I think uh, Blake could definitely, you know, given the given the right day, could definitely at this event. And it would all just come down, you know. It always comes down to what days does everybody have. Uh, also in this weight class, uh, up and coming lifter that I really like to watch is Nick Onega. Uh, I met him at the hybrid, the the first hybrid showdown, and then again at the Kern. Uh, Nick's a young guy. He's like 22 or 23. Uh, he's from Ohio. Uh, so he's from kind of my area. And uh, I'm excited to keep watching him get on these big stages. Uh, I'll be honest. I have never heard of Jeremy Alexander, um, though I see his dot score is pretty impressive as he also yeah. has a, a very, very high deadlift. Um, so, you know, I obviously love to watch the deadlifters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Shane Mahoney, again, and lower dot score reg. Uh, more than likely, work will sit at the contest. So obviously, I think Blake Lehue is just going to dominate the weight class. But not only that, just could uh, you know could also podium at the event. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, He's probably I mean, untested in general to not be as nine for nine ish. Yeah. Most of these guys are going to miss some lifts. Um, Blake, very. I mean, he could go anywhere from like I have him anywhere from like ninth up to uh, third. Yeah. If, he, if he goes nine for nine, uh, and even if I, if someone else misses some lift, his I, he could go nineteen fifty ish maybe. If he hits that five hundred one bench, he hits over eight hundred deadlift. It looks like he probably could squat six sixty to six eighty. Um, his last meet, he hit like seven forty something. Was I think that would be that would be only like fifty pounds off of hacks total at, at two thousand. Which I mean, these are I mean, we're going to talk about Chad Penson in a second. There's a lot of people doing stuff that when Hack did it first, we're like no one will ever do it. And now people are doing it again, but it just doesn't. It, we almost kind of discredit it to an extent mm-hmm. because it's already been done. It's yeah. already been done. Yeah, it's but crazy. The craziness of it. So the craziness is it's, it's happening again. Like I, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of us semi thought to an extent some of these things hack we're doing would never be replicated, and 
People are people are knocking on the door a little bit. Not quite there, but knocking on the door. Yeah, uh, Penson was one who I thought would get there regardless. Uh, he's just so goddamn big. I don't know if you guys have ever met Chad, but Chad is a legitimate. He's not very, very tall, but otherwise, he's a legitimate giant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and watching him lift, it, like I'm sure you guys have seen a squat. It's that real wide stance squat, and so we'll see. He's he squatted eight in training. Frankly, it was really fucking high. We'll see how that transfers over to the. The last year's showdown judging was really solid all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, no major complaints as far as the meet went. No, no weird calls on depth or bench or squat. Um, so that was really nice to see. I think we'll see that again this year. The crew out there is awesome. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see what happens uh, with Chad as far as the squat goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and even comparing some of these guys who competed at the current, while yes, some of them did wraps or some did a few did sleeves. Uh, frankly, the depth call at the current were just not the greatest so we'll see if that you know how how that how that comes into play in this contest as far as people's depth goes i think we're going to see a lot a lot uh missed attempts on squat and potentially even a few bombs yeah um there are some other guys who we'll talk about later who have only competed in rps meets upa meets uh or you know done those meets and put up crazy 800 pound squats then gone and done a uspa meet and put up you know barely put up 716 um so we'll talk a little more about that later but i definitely think depth calls are going to play a role uh in chad's performance based on his training depth now i know a lot i do know a lot of people at the high level who don't squat to depth in training and then do just fine on meet day yeah uh, you know I, I i discredit that saying on the local level you know a lot of the um Local competitors, more inexperienced competitors, they don't they don't have the body awareness or the experience to be able to make that change come contest day. But as, as on the high level, uh, it's it's a big difference. You know, a lot of guys can come into the meet and dunk their squats if they need to. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just talk about it now the one ninety eight weight class. Uh, since we're there, yeah, we're talking about Chad. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I do agree with you. I mean, Chad, he was on two white lights. He said it himself, like in wraps, that's my shit. Like that's where I can actually beat yeah. Hack. Uh, raw, it goes, it sways incredibly to Hack. Like Hack is I, the best raw lifter in the world. Um, and I mean, he just really doesn't need to put on wraps because that's how good his raw lifting is. Uh, depth is going to be important. Also- I do remember. I do recall. The uh, initially when they started uh, the showdown rosters, there's a few memes going around, a few sayings like already people are complaining about the depth calls and how overly strict they were going to be for those lifters who are like RPS lifers and people who squat high in training. They're all like, oh, you know, it's a little too strict. It's like the meat. We're like 30 million weeks out from this meat. And you're already complaining about the depth calls. Like, let's wait till we get there. And it is strict, and it's. I think it's always easier to judge. Raw lifting and wrap lifting, it's easier to judge. So you are going to get some real accurate uh, squat depth calls. That's going to be really uh, important for uh, those lifters going forward. Um, but, yeah. yeah like One, specifically in this weight class, um, uh, Carlos Moran dropped out. Uh, he injured himself. Carlos Moran was one who, uh, his Instagram is the Winter Wolves. He was one who I really thought had a chance based on his training. He was having some pretty solid training. I think he potentially could have broken a top five, but it was obviously very tough on him, and he ended up getting hurt. Um, one lifter in this weight class, who I'm really excited to watch for a lot of reasons, 
is uh, Austin Dodd. So a lot of people don't know this, but Austin Dodd actually has the, or did have, he might still have, I think he's, st- Chad has it now, but he did have, before Chad took it, he had the 198 rap squat record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe he still has the number two rap squat. But this was one of the squats in November of last year that I made that ragey video about on my page about how powerlifting fucking sucks because <laughs> in the same weekend, him and Phil Herndon, who, by the way, I, I love Phil Herndon, guys. Everyone thinks we have, like, a super beef. Uh, we really don't. My complaint was always about the squats. Uh, but in the same weekend, they put up squats that were just ridiculously high. Austin's was the a world record, and Phil's was, like, number two. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. And granted, it was in wraps, but we'll see how that carries over here. The other part was that his deadlift was obviously soft. At his meet, and the last meet he did was also an RPS meet. Um, so, regardless, I'm excited to see, hopefully, see an improvement in performance. Austin's a super nice dude, and he's a super cool dude. So, obviously, performance goes, but I'm interested to see how well you know, he stands up to a, a higher standard, comparatively speaking. Yeah, it's a difficult weight class to do that in because you have just the looming knowing of what Hack's going to do. Like, this is like, I, it, it, he's so damn good, Hack, it's hard talking about him. Like I can't anal like it's hard to analyze Hack. I agree. He's so fucking good um, at powerlifting that I'm just like trying to sit here trying to figure out things like he's just going to be so much stronger than a lot of the field and it doesn't like the I guess the interesting thing would be if he takes regression as opposed to progression because we're so used to the progression of him like so that would be the thing as a person who talks about powerlifting and tries to break down performances that would be the thing that I would have to look for because the dude is just so fucking unreal like training seems to always be amazing his meets seem to always go well I know Kern wasn't his best meet but it was still um, ridiculously great and he was, had to compete raw against rap lifters and still try to put up a, a total that's best overall that's ridiculous very and, difficult to do and, it's just it's crazy yeah, part of the thing with Hack 2 is, man, he's got a freaking clutch gene. And yeah. clutch genes are just outright unpredictable. Um, and for those of you who don't, for three at the current uh, opening, he, oh, he ended up uh, upping his opener to like 815, it was like 370. Um, and initially his opener was supposed to be like 740 or 760. It was something considerably lighter. Uh, jump immediately to 400 to attempt to pull for the win on two attempts. So even on a seven for nine day uh, and not capitalizing on his bit, his best lift, uh, arguably his best lift, his bench is also extreme. Um, he, he still put up the highest raw dots done at the time, which was mm-hmm. a six twenty seven. Um, yeah. In, in my opinion, I think it, it should be looked at as fairly obvious that hacks going to pull away this weight class. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I think it's an obvious second as well as, as far as Chad Penson. Uh, I think where it's, where it's going to become a little more tricky is trying to figure out uh, Penson's placing in the overall. Yeah, for sure. The one thing I'll throw about Hack, that's a storyline. We were just talking like, well, like a year or so ago about like a guy finally breaking a 600 Wilkes or Dots. And then we were like, well, it's still ridiculous because they'll never actually match women because it's 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 too biased towards women at the high level of Wilkes and Dots. He possibly might have the highest Dots score at this meet between men and women. And that includes the all-time Dots record holder in Christy Hawkins, which we'll get to Christy in a bit. I believe she's injured, so that's why I'm down-ticking her a bit. I don't think she's going to come with the biggest squat she's had. I've got Hack, if he puts it all together, 
765 881 would be a 652.97 dot score. <laughs> we literally were talking about it a couple years ago. Oh. No one would ever do that because it's too biased against men and it's not physically possible. Can we not talk about it anymore, man? See, isn't it kind of like off. whenever I have to cover hack, it's it's so like almost it's hard to do as a power lifter. It's like how? How is this happening? It just it's it's incredible what he's able to do. Um and it's uh you know, kind of even even doing like these matchup things. I mean, Kern was actually good because we had ramp squatters. This one is raw lifts, and it's just uh, his his competition. So interesting to see. You know, so interesting to watch because again, it's meet day. He was very close to bombing out at the Pioneer, very close on that one. He had his last squat, which again, that clutch scene really came in there. He had that last squat, uh, always uh, calm, cool, and collected. That's kind of his thing. Uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, one of the really big matchups is. Uh, Hack Penson in that weight class as well. You have uh, Trevor Jaffe, uh, you know, the, the, the big deadlifter of it, even though you do have Hack or, or Penson yep. in there with um, Penson with the probably the highest deadlift uh, potentially going in. All right, now. I'll throw out one scenario. Okay. I don't think it will happen. Oh, okay. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Yeah. I don't think it will happen, but it's a scenario. Hack last year only got his first attempt squat. The showdown's strict, and he's right. had issues. If he only gets his first attempt squat, and then on deadlift, he reaches again for 881, and he's kind of had some balance issues at those heavier weights, and he loses it and only makes his first squat and his first deadlift, Chad Penson could beat him if Chad has a perfect day. Yeah. That's Well, that's the thing, man, is what's, what's more likely, Chad having a perfect day or John having an awful day? Um, you know, and, and, and we've seen John strength in the past go up through his attempts, and then still pull out a high squat. The 2019 tribute, I believe. I, I, I think it was 2019. It may have been 2019. It was 2019 tribute. He opened like 290. He went like 35, something like that. Missed on depth, and then still went up to 312 and got it. So I think... I think it all comes down to what's more likely, Hat pulling it together or Penson putting everything together, yeah. where it's a, it's a much more of a commonality coming from Hack. I mean, Hack has done six meets with over a 600 dot. So, I mean, let's think about this. Hack putting up a, a, a 600 dots now at 198, basically, I mean, he could do that on seconds and openers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other competitors putting up a certain dots, they're going to, majority of them who have the potential to do it, they have to go eight for nine and nine for nine. Hack can do it on a four for nine day, yeah. which is mind boggling. Yeah. Well, this is. I don't think, I don't, let's be clear. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Just this area. I'm picking, I, I am more thinking Hack's going to have a super meet because of how well his training's been going. Um, yeah, it pisses me off, dude. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it sounds reminiscent of the Taylor Atwood discussion we had for the preview of Nationals. Like, if Atwood misses his lifts and Austin is per- perfect for the day, Atwood could lose. And then it's like, yeah, but when does that ever happen? And on top of that, we have to count on everyone else being perfect. Like, that's yeah. usually the, the good indicator of yeah. so, uh, not, not out of the. The question by any means, just yeah, unlikely. Okay, yeah, let's Incredibly move on unlikely. to two twenty. We always spend a lot of time in the one ninety eight division, so two twenty. I'm super stoked for. 
220 and 198 and 191 are my three favorite weight classes. Yeah. Um, 220 for me, reminisce, man. Think about the heyday. Uh, you know, Dan Green, uh, Brandon Lilly, um, uh, Kevin Oak back in the day, T. Cummins, Pete Rubish. All those guys competing at 220. So it's exciting to see a, a full 220 roster regardless of how we think they're going to fit into the uh, the, the, the podium here. Um, looking at the class, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the the, the person who's probably going to pull the class away is between uh, Joe Sullivan and uh, uh, Jordan Wong. I mean, those are the two most likely. One who I don't want to leave out of the potential of taking the class uh, um, is uh, Jordan Jarrell. Jordan Jarrell has done 2,000 on multiple occasions uh, uh, in knee wraps. Uh, if he can get his squat together on contest day, um, you know we'll see something really awesome from Jordan Jarrell. Um, Another competitor I'm stoked. I love watching Jad Alame. Jad's coming back off of a big adductor injury he had in Utah at a contest. Um, Jake Benson, I love watching. Jake may have dropped in the meet. I don't quite remember. I haven't seen much of his training. Um, and I think, honestly, you know, obviously everyone's looking to see Joe Sullivan hit an all-time world record squat mm-hmm. uh, now that Kevin Oak is going 242. Kevin Oak initially signed up at 220, but he's now going 242 again. Um, one thing I don't want to overlook here, uh, because looking at the numbers, he has the current lowest total in the class is, uh, Dawson window. Um, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up on Dawson's training. He's benched 500 a couple of times. Dawson's gym benches aren't always the cleanest, but regardless, he's benched 500 a couple of times, apparently benched 540 in training, squatted something like 730-ish. Uh, and then Dawson's pulled over seven on multiple occasions, though he hasn't posted any of his deadlift training. I think as far as it, as far as um, breakouts go, as an elite level competitor, not necessarily in clout or exposure, as far as breakouts go on the elite end, I think Dawson's going to surprise some people at this meet. Mm-hmm. Um, I love watching uh, Tarvin compete, Ronald Tarvin. Uh, he is like very much so like a WWE personality on the platform. And I absolutely love it. He does the, uh, he does the, uh, what, what's that called? The, uh, the, yes. He does any, the, uh, uh, any Catholics in the chat want to help, any uh, Catholics help, help get out with that. Uh, so, um, you know, that's going to be exciting. Uh, again, another one I really don't want to, don't want to overlook is Jad. Jad is incredibly strong. He's an incredibly good lifter. He's another one I'm excited to see. Tom Van Boven puts up some seriously big squats everywhere he goes. On uh, a highly competitive class, yeah, like highly, highly competitive. Probably the most competitive class on the day. Yeah. So if you, looking- I mean, if you take out Joe, obviously the favorite, I think two through two through eight could all total around 1900. Right. Literally anyone from two to eight could swap places just based on made lifts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and also just Which top. Is, yeah, that's it, it, nationals style right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's gonna be really fun to watch. And just top to bottom, it's it's good. Like it's a thing. It's just every single lift you're gonna see. There's some sort of intrigue there. Like with you mentioned with Dawson. Dawson's really interesting because he was a USAPL competitor. Last meet was in 2019, doing and his first meet back is a showdown. We have no right. idea what's going to happen with him. Like, what the fuck, Zero. like, is going to happen? And he's one of those lifters, too. Whenever I see him lift, I'm like, 
Alright, how's this gonna go? It's either going to be a amazing grinding lift or a fucking catastrophe. Like, that's what I look yeah, at when I see with Dawson lift. And, yeah, he's a little unpredictable uh, as far as his uh, lifting goes. But not only that, as far as his performances goes, uh, he tends to under Yeah. Has quite a few nine for nine and eight for nine performances. They're usually five to ten, sometimes even more uh, kilos under his his, his best uh, lifts. So regardless, super stoked to watch Dawson get back platform. Uh, I did <coughs> um, see on his Instagram story. While I don't follow Dawson, I did see on his Instagram story because I've been following his training. Uh, I did see that he's looking to do like a two thousand pound total, which would be Absolutely insane. Uh, Dawson's been doing this for quite a while. I believe he did his first sanctioned event in like 2015 or 2016. Yeah. He's got the years under his belt. So, uh, you know, as far as um, time in the sport goes, he's somebody who, uh, and level of competitiveness goes, I think he's somebody who very much so as a lifter deserves, uh, you know, to be here and deserves to, uh, you know, put on a, a high level performance. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Ronald Tarvin, again, i got to give him a shout-out. I just love the guy. Big Cubs fan, former baseball player. I just got to gotta love Ronald for that. Um, I, 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 I love Ron, man. He, yeah. And he's always so nice. Mm-hmm. Like, like I have met a lot of guys in this range who are in the, you know, the 500 to 550 dots range uh, who are just fucking douchebags. Like, this, I don't know why, <laughs> but this is like the biggest douchebag zone of the sport because these people think they are like – they're the God's gift to earth and the strongest people they know. And then you go and look at open powerlifting and see there's like over a thousand competitors now with, with this, this range of scoring. And it's like, Ron never acts like he's hot shit. And, and yeah. I, I just, even though, even though in a way he does, it's never like demeaning. It's very much so WWE superstar uh, uh, persona. And I just, I love that person. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, speaking of which, you know, I think with Joe Sullivan, uh, with his squats and everything that are that's coming up, I mean, everyone's going to be looking at that squat, wonder his uh, deadlift stance that he copied off me is going to have him a bigger pull than me. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I, you know what? I'm going to be looking very closely because he used to make fun of my deadlift quite a bit, and I ended up out-pulling him throughout the years. And now he's he has a deadlift that's reminiscent of mine. So let's see if actually he can out deadlift me. And I gotten better since I out deadlifted him. I gotten uh, better in my deadlift. So let's see. I mean, hey, Joe, if you need some motivation, listen to this podcast. I know he doesn't really listen to Two Eye Lights for some reason, but he doesn't. If you're listening, want some motivation? There's there's your reason to have a good deadlift is to do oh, that. Out deadlift Angelo Fortino. One second, I'm looking for a fire hydrant to connect this hose to. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> No, yeah, dude. I'm really excited about Joe, honestly, man. Joe, he's been in the sport for a long time. He's been he's been he's been always trucking forward. And he's had and he's had to experience some of the lowest lows you can experience as a competitor. Yeah. Um, having an injury that's that's nerve that's nerve related is, is had some nerve sim, actually very similar nerve injuries. Uh, mine were a little more acute than his are, but literally his hands like just they, they'll open up. Like, it's not like his, his grip is weak. It's, like, literally, it, it, it's nerve problems. And uh, to see his deadlift come back, to see his bench come back, um, you know, last year's showdown, he told him, like, I don't know, high 18s or, like, mid-19s or something like that. Yeah. Uh, considerably under what his best performances are. And 
uh, you know, it's exciting to see that Joe has to put up an actual PR performance across the board. Uh, not on bench as much, but he could put up a, a, a huge deadlift that um, you know could could really bring him back into into circulation as um, a a total power lifter, a well rounded power lifter. Mm-hmm. But he's not a power lifter by any means. He obviously has an all time world record squat, uh, and you know he's never he's never out of the question. But just to see Joe get a real total back, because I know that's what Joe really wants to see him get a real total back. Honestly, it's just awesome. Um, so that's 220. 242. This is a fun one. This yes, is always is. a fun one. This, um, is, I mean, this is probably the showstopper class. Yeah, I agree. I wish Rondell was still doing it, man. I yeah, think that's a, that's a big surprised. one. Oh, gosh. For those of you who don't know who Rondell, since you probably know him by his Instagram name, DevLiftLord868. Man, Rondell is a freak. I don't know if you guys just saw his recent, uh, like, 2010 total in a squatted 805 after that. Fucking shoot me, man. What is that, dude? I wish he was still doing this meet because I think I think he would have had potential to also podium at this contest. I really do. It obviously, it would have depended on how the day went, but I really think he had a shot at that. He easily... You know, he squatted that 800, he benches in the fives, no problem consistently, and pulls in the eights, no problem consistently. You do the math on that, dude, that's like a, that's like 22-something, uh, which is just absolutely outrageous. But as far as the class actually goes now, I think I think the, the pull away for this class is pretty obvious, uh, Jamal Browner. Um, he, he's pretty consistent as far as his contest performances goes. And even at his last contest, you know, pulled 909, which is... Uh, 903, 909, which is 70 pounds under his best comp deadlift and still put up a PR total is insane. To, to deadlift 70 pounds less than you did in your previous event and then put up a PR total is absolutely insane. I, 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 Jamal is who I have um, uh, also deeming at this contest. Um, other polaroids in the class, guys, what do you think? Well, I think it will be an interesting battle with Kevin Oak and Max Jean-Philippe, Mr. RPE Max. Because I, I would probably pick Kevin pretty handily. You, you may know more. I, I believe he's semi-injured with his deadlift. He's not uh, posting I, any deadlifts, and his last deadlift post was first pain-free RDLs in months, and that was in July. Right. Um, I don't expect I, – I, I, I'm wondering honest, if he's going to be able to bring a good deadlift, and if he doesn't, that might be a close little battle. If I'm being honest, I think Kevin's going to put up a big squat and then token his bench and deadlift. Uh, that's a Kevin Oak special a lot right (laughs) I think that's probably what I would expect Kevin to do I'm still here to watch it man Uh, Kevin's squat is crazy to watch I love Mm -hmm. watching it it's a little scary to watch but I love watching it regardless Um, Max has been on his story uh, kind of running amok lately I'm sure you guys have seen it well I've seen Uh, it also I I want to point out really quick sorry to interrupt I want to point out really quick Max, it takes a while to figure out that you powerlift. You just <laughs> mostly post a shit ton of offensive memes. Like, I if we don't know much about you, that's the reason why. Like, meme-making ability, absolutely. I just don't see a whole lot of the powerlifting part, where we know he's a fantastic powerlifter. But the page is where most people post lifts is a list of extremely offensive memes that people enjoy. We have some meme enjoyers in the chat um, right now that could, you know. Meme so one thing, one thing I'll say about John or uh, Max. Uh, one thing I'll say about Max, uh, his performance history is very spotty. He tends to make uh, 
extremely unreasonable attempt selection contest goes. It's not like it's out of his realm as far as gym lifting goes, um, but he t- tends to make really unreasonable jumps. Uh, last year's showdown is a great example. He opened 804 on deadlift, and it wasn't that great of a pull, and he went straight to 400 keys. Um, bench, he opened 225, uh, 496, when at the time I believe his max was right around 500 pounds. It just wasn't a good opener. And then the meet after that, he opened 225 again, made a two and a half kilo jump on his second attempt to 501, barely got it, and then was on his next attempt. Uh, he's made similar mistakes on his squat, um, kind of opening uh, what's seemingly too heavy and then making pretty big 27 and a half, 30 kilo jumps. I do know. He has a coach now. Uh, make a big change. So if Max, honestly, Max is probably the the strongest competitor on this roster whose uh, meat performances don't reflect that. Yeah. Um, I think I think Max truly has a, a good shot at podiuming this contest, permitting he doesn't make his attempt selections. Um, uh, you know, with with blinders on. You know, um, if Max can put away his ego as far as opening attempts go or landmark numbers go, just by looking at his attempt selection, he he likes to do the uh, the 700-pound bench opener, or 700-pound squat opener, five-plate bench opener, 800-pound deadlift opener. He loves to do those benchmark numbers as his openers, which you see a lot more on the local level made as a mistake. You see a lot on the local level, 400-pound squat opener when they have a 400-pound max, you know, 300-pound bench opener and 300-pound max. He makes that similar mistake. If he doesn't do that, if his attempts are actually on this meet, or if he does do that and then manages to pull out these crazy numbers, you know, he's got a solid opportunity of putting him in this contest. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but maybe even, you know, beating Jamal. Uh, but it would, it would seriously require... Um, top-notch attempt selection, top-notch lift execution. And, and uh, I mean, literally a perfect day where the stars align in every single aspect. Do I think that's going to happen based on his past performances? Absolutely not. Based on his current demeanor and um, um, mood and his overall uh, to the people watching him and to uh, how he's approached meets in the past, I guess, just to reiterate, I don't think that's going to happen. Do I want it to happen? Absolutely. Uh, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Max is going to pull out that that type of performance yet. I think it's going to take some more time. Well, speaking of past performances and uh, standards, we've got two people that would be very much in the running of top three in this class that have only done so really in other federations. Nick Forte yep. and then Phil Herndon, uh, regulars of the Garrett Fear story. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, both guys, uh, actually, even recently I reached out to Nick, uh, he was posting some squats that were just ridiculously high. I mean, like not even close in any realm, in any world, deadlifts are soft. Uh, you know, in, in the words of, uh, Derek Thistleway, uh, death group Derek, uh, just kind of very bummy lifts. Uh, I tried to reach out to him. I didn't want to, I don't want to put him on blast or anything. Cause I want him, I want him to do well. I do. I love seeing people's standards change. You know, I, I frequently reference Tom Callis and how he used to bitch up a storm about Tom Callis' lifting, and then he goes to hybrid murders to a standard, a beautiful standard. I, I literally refereed the squat. Um, so uh, I would love to see Nick perform well. Um, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to have a good – if he does squat to depth, it's not going to be anything close to what his squats in the past are. 
It's not going to reflect the strength on the sheets, on the spreadsheets that we're looking at on open piloting. I think it'll more so reflect the real-world strength. Um, as for Phil, Phil, even though he's squatted high in a lot of his comps and he's had some issues with his deadlift lockout, he's really, really strong. And the numbers that yeah. he's hit those bad standards, I fully think he could do the right standard. The issue is just that he has not. Um, he's one I'm excited to see. I, but I, he, he recently tore his pet or his tricep. Okay. So I'm pretty sure he's out of the meat altogether. So, uh, Phil, if you're listening to this, dude, I'm still rooting for you, bro. Uh, not necessarily at the contest, just in general. You are one of my favorite squatters to watch, even though you squat a high. So, uh, yeah. Uh, as far as the rest of the class goes, uh, I'm excited to watch Chico. This is Chico's first really high-level meet, Chico Cloyne. Chico runs meets in Ohio. He's who we were talking about earlier. One of the best meet directors in the country. He is awesome. Uh, and then there's also quite a few people in this class that I haven't really seen much of. Uh, Aaron Chappelle, um, Seth Pulber, uh, Ronnell Leftwich, uh, Rondell Leftwich. I've never seen any of those guys um, consistently. But one what I'm also really excited for, a person who I always love to watch on the platform, is Carlos Reyes, man. Carlos has been around for a long time. You know, we're talking about rum and the comparison of this to rum. I want to say there's Carlos Reyes, Kevin Oak, Christy Hawkins, Jen Rotzinger, uh, John Heck, um, and a few others, uh, maybe even Penson, have all competed at rum. So it's really cool in terms of legacy to see some people who were competing back then at Raw Immunity coming in now and still competing at showdown at the highest level. I absolutely love it. Well, Carlos, I was going to bring him up. He's the one that could sneak in. Like if Kevin's just going to take a squat and then sandbag, if Max makes issues with attempt selection and some other people don't hit depth, Carlos Reyes, looking at his attempt selection history is solid. He's probably going to make his Carlos list. is a highly, highly intelligent lifter. And so he could come in and not necessarily be the strongest, Per se, on like in literally like top end strength, but yes. performance wise, I could very well see him sneaking into second place in this class. Uh, and, I, and I absolutely agree. And I actually think uh, I most truly uh, has a chance to podium. I don't know if you've watched a lot of his training, man, but this is some of the craziest training he's done, especially on squats, man. I think Carlos really has a chance to podium. Obviously, we never know how the how the deck is going to be stacked. But uh, Carlos does have a chance. I'm not saying it's a high chance. He's not on my top five podium, but he definitely has a chance. Carlos, if you're listening to this, man, I am absolutely rooting for you. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I, I want your opinions on this. This might be the most, one of the more entertaining weight classes, simply based on just what you're going to see with, like, all the different lifters. Like, even with Nick Forte, what's going to happen? Is he going to get depth? Is he gonna try yeah, to get I think depth? Nick's going to bomb. Yeah, it's like, what's, I so exactly, it's, it, as bad as it is to say, it's it's still like intriguing to watch someone. If you like, you're just wondering if they're gonna bomb or not. Like seriously, yeah. I tune in to like see if people fi- figure it out or what they're gonna do. Like that to me right. is fascinating in powerlifting. Uh, so you start off there. Then to you clarify, have... to clarify, it's not to say that I want him to bomb. I really don't want that. Um, so don't you know? I'm not a hater. Mm-hmm. For those who call me a hater. Uh, I'm just speaking realistic, man. Just based on his past performances, I want to say the only USPA meet he's done bombed out of. He bombed out of, and we're going to have a very, very similar standard to that of the USPA 
if not, a uh, better standard as far as across the board goes. Um, so, yeah, he bombed out opening at uh, 7-11. Um, and that squat and sleeves otherwise is 750, 750 pounds. What does it tell you? You know, yeah, exactly. what, is it, what does it tell so, so, yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, I'm looking at his most recent squat from six days ago. It's just, his most recent squat from six days ago, 705, was decently hard and wasn't quite there. Yeah. So, as much as I want him to do well, what I would expect, what here's what I expect, honestly, he's going to open with a benchmark number on squat, probably 700, probably 705, somewhere in there. Uh, he's going to struggle on depth really hard. And if he gets to depth on any of them, he will not. Be strong enough to take it out of the hole. So, I mean, that is my absolute guess. Uh, as far as the rest of the class goes, I don't think we're going to see a lot of issues with depth as far as the rest of the class goes. Max, Max is hit or miss as far as depth goes. Jamal is super consistent, very good in depth. Oak obviously dunks his stuff. Mm-hmm. Oak dunks. Chico dunks. Um, man, I just still really wish Rondell was doing this. All right. Yeah. We, 275. Hold on, hold on. But I got I to gotta ask, though. You're you're clo- you're closer with Jamal. Is so. What's the goal on his deadlift? Because this is like we're not really talking about Jamal. What do you what do you what do you what do you, th- what do you think the goal on his deadlift? Well, no, serious. Well, all right. So I mean, I go and attend your meet. He takes a sandbag kind of deadlift, which makes sense, right? Like there wasn't any reason to push it that day. It was kind of a feeler meet. Right. Then he goes and like 900 is there. It's consistent, but you know the greatest lift of all time, in my opinion, in powerlifting. I was watching was a 972 deadlift. Is, are we just going to see, like, because this is an opportunity here. If you if he's so, gunning so, for a K, because I don't know if he is, is, if he's gunning for a K, his opener is going to have to be set relatively high. That leaves a high opportunity for him to bomb. Whenever you open super high on deadlift, you have an opportunity to bomb. It just, it's it's there. I mean, just, he just posted openers, though, and they weren't ridiculous. I believe his opener is 881 and 903. It's one of those two numbers. I can't remember. 880. I, yeah. I actually, I could see him going 881. Jumping to like nine thirty, which is actually where I got him at, to like have his safe number to win the class and podium. And then if he hits that, and he's, I mean, most likely it, that lift is going to solidify his placing because then John's just going to be wherever John is, and then he put it on a thousand, and who cares? So, okay. as far as I know, uh, Jamal wants to win. Jamal wants the money, um, so I think he's going to do whatever it takes to try to get that first. Right. As far as his other goals go, another big main goal is the all-time world record again. Total, not deadlift. Total. Um, so, uh, but he, as another goal, he has communicated to uh, quite a few of us is a thousand pound deadlift. He wants the one k. And if I remember, if I'm quoting correctly, he specifically said that is the number one goal is okay. the thousand pound deadlift. That's what I want to know. Like, because he's the most com- one of the most complete lifters in the world. Also, just has the best deadlift. Like it's, yes. it's, it's fantastic. He's like, he's amazing at the, you know, it's actually great to watch him. I had the pleasure of watching him at Corrupted Strength. It's just a pleasure to watch him lift. Squat, bench, yeah. and then of course the deadlift. So he's one of those complete lifters. And when you're in a scenario here of winning money, potentially going after records uh, that are not only the deadlift record, but the total record, I just always wonder what the goal is. And also like when the goal is also intertwined with a thousand pound deadlift, that can muddy some things up. Like, what is your first goal? Because I don't know what would I would rather have, in all honesty. The first ever 1,000-pound deadlift in powerlifting or money or the total. Like, I, I would probably just take the 1,000-pound deadlift because that, to me, is something that is uh, 
is almost like um I don't know the the uh, the the proper analogy of something that's it, it just gonna you're you're if you're the first guy to deadlift a thousand I you're immortal you will be immortalized in power and I believe that's what I believe that's what he said to me is that he wants to do a K because the 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 thousand pound deadlift as far as his lifting career goes will project him further than an all time world record yeah. total could. That'll ex- that'll expand far outside of just the powerlifting sphere. That will that will blow over into strongman, general fitness. Uh, I mean, everywhere. Everyone will want to see him. Everyone will want to meet him. Everyone will want to work with him. Everyone will want to be uh, in cahoots with the guy who deadlifted a thousand pounds in a full power contest, who's also inside of a weight class. You know, the only other thousand pound deadlift we have in raw powerlifting was Benny Mangison. And it was like three, four, anywhere between, honestly, I can't remember, but it was anywhere between like 340 pounds and 400 pounds. Regardless, he was a super heavyweight. Um, and it was done deadlift only. So to see, to potentially see it done in full power would be pretty sick. Yeah. Um, but also, so on, on the topic of 1,000-pound deadlifts, segueing into the 275-pound uh, Dan class, Grigsby. Uh, Dan, Dan Grigsby, man. Oh. Dan Grigsby had pulled 950 in comp. Yeah, an RP eight. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Talk about fuckable and he, deadlifts. Uh, and, Definitely I, a, fuckable and a lot of one. people look at his deadlift and they and they think it's like wonky, but it's truthfully one of the single most technically sound deadlifts you will ever see ever. Yeah. With that many plates on the barbell, slack alone is a major issue and a major factor to calculate for. And that dude handles it with absolute fucking poise every single time. Um, I think Dan Grigsby is guaranteed going to pull a grand here. Um, pretty much guaranteed. I, I, I don't. I don't think there's anything else in his mind. I oh. really don't. Um, I think he'll put up something close to a, a, a seven seventy squat, three fifty keys, and he'll bench you know mid force. Um, which you know, could, if he pulls a, if he pulls a grand, dude, Danny, Danny is is one of the kind of. Um, squeak in podium guys it's like you don't really you know looking at, at past performances and what he's done danny's never pushed himself balls to the walls out of me i mean the first world record he pulled he like didn't he didn't obviously didn't do it on accident but that wasn't even in his mind going into the contest he had pulled like 400 keys or something that prep and then or maybe 903 and then it goes into the meet and pulls 943 948 something like that at nothing um, he's he's really far ahead of the rest of the most of the class as far as totals going to go. Um, other than Zach Myers, I think Zach Myers is the obvious pull away as far as the total goes in the class. But I'm not going to count out Danny as potentially beating him. He's not on my most likely, but I think it is a hundred percent possible for Danny to beat Zach Myers. Uh, you know, permitting he PR squat, PRs bench, and pulls a crazy deadlift. And I also don't think it's absolutely outrageous to say that Danny will pull over a thousand. I mean, le- legitimately, uh, his he never has grip issues. His technique is almost always on. No matter what point of the year you're watching Danny's training, it is on. His deadlift is on. He is the most consistent and technically proficient deadlifter above two forty two. Um, even more so than Jamal. I mean, uh, uh, Jamal has a little more misses, a little more issues with grip. Occasionally starts a little too forward. Danny never really has any of those problems. And if anything, I think the only problem we may see on Danny come meet day is his deadlifts are so fast 
the top end width may pull him back down. That is the only thing I'm worried about whatsoever as far as Danny's deadlift goes. There was a lot of hot takes there, and I'm very excited for this. because If you stood up right now, would there be a tent pitched? Uh, <laughs> dude, I, I've decided. And I've been watching Danny for a long time, man, and he's – He's a person that doesn't get the exposure he deserves. And, and again, and this is kind of what I talked about with Zach Myers in the pre-show with you guys. It's like there are some people who truthfully, in every avenue of their lives, are extremely humble people. And they don't care uh, to, to, to publish their training, to, to sell, to, to perform outside of the, the single event. Uh, and, uh, you know, Zach and... and Dan are, are both those guys. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is you're not going to hear a lot of talk about those guys outside of us. Well, outside I will, of the, I'll say, though, if, if Dan ends up pulling a K, it just might be powerlifting superstardom. I mean, again, that is that is one of those. It's To me, you know, Ray Williams squatted 1,000 raw. That was big. You know, Sports Center picked it up, all that stuff. And then Ray Williams is uh, immortalized in powerlifting for uh, probably till its end. They're the first guy to do it. If right. you be the first guy to pull, I don't care what federation it is, if you're the first guy to pull a thousand, okay. Also the way he pulls it too, the way he pulls it is like you will see it. I think other, you know, sports media outlets will get a glimpse of it and it will it, it I think it'll take it'll take its uh it'll make its mark on social media and then expand from there. Like we'll yeah. be we'll be talking about it in just a completely different way. Um and it, that's that's why I think the thousand pound deadlift is some. I mean, I'm because I'm not a guy who really values the single lift uh, as much as I, how it goes up to a total. I'm always a guy who values a total, but a thousand pound deadlift is just that that one number that's different for me. It's just if you're the first guy to do it in a full power competition, then yeah. We're talking about Dan being underrated. I I'm not going to go as far to think. I, I think I have him him pulling the biggest deadlift of the meet. He's going to pull the biggest step. I, I can agree with that. I don't, I don't have him challenging for this class, though. I do. And I'll get to who that person in a second, who I think is just as underrated as Dan. The, the interesting thing is we got Dan, Andy Wong, Cade Proctor, and Shane Hunt probably all around like 21 to 2150. This is another one of those classes like 220 where that like second to sixth place could, could be anyone based off of what right. happens. I agree. But I think there's a runaway winner, and that's Zach Myers. I mean, his yeah. – his last meet, 2265, but that was not his best meet. I think something happened on SWAT. He retook his second, didn't go as high. He's totaled 2321. I believe that's the all-time world record. That was in a USPA meet. He's yep. done the showdown before. Um, someone's saying in the chat right now on uh, Twitch, Zach is the most underrated, underrated lifter. And in that's literally I don't think that's a stretch. He may be. And I, I have him very strongly in my top five. Yeah, I believe I believe I've, I'm quoted saying that somewhere is that Zach Myers is the most underrated lifters on the planet. Actually, my last meet, I competed with Zach's wife, and Zach was there. He helped uh, handle me a little bit. Uh, and just one thing I want to reiterate to everybody: he's quite literally the most humble, genuine, and one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And uh, I I don't think it's out of the question to see Zach do something like a 2,400 pound total at 275. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the question. Obviously, it's a little bit far-reaching, but I, I've learned to reach a little farther when these meets come around, especially in the last two and a half years. I mean, between Hack, Henson, Zach, Grigsby, Jamal, 
you know, le- learning to reach a little bit farther is, is probably going to work in most people's favor as, as far as it, as far as it goes at these high level meets. As for the rest of the class, man, like you said, um, highly competitive class. I'm really excited to see John Oldman, uh, yeah. another like WWE persona. Love as- John, I love me some John Oldman. I, he is I, he's my favorite. I love him. Anything as anything as far as. Uh, uh, you know, showmanship, uh, spectatorship. Uh, like it, he's great for the sport in that aspect. Everybody loves to watch Shane Hunt. Um, Shane, Shane's probably going to put up. Uh, I, I, it's not unreasonable to think he's going to pull. Uh, you know, if we do the math here, guys, it, it's really not crazy to say that we could see, you know, upwards of five nine hundred plus pound deadlifts um, uh, from five separate lifters. Uh, you know, Shane Hunt, Dan Grigsby, uh, Jamal Browner, John Hack. Has a shot on a 900-pound deadlift, and then uh, John Doyle, Sean Doyle, and like th- that to, to, to me. And then there's there's a couple of guys too who like you know there's there's a chance, and even even they could throw up you know something close to that 880 at least. Um, so you know, moving on to the 308, Sean Doyle to me is the obvious uh, winner here. Uh, although I think Shane Haller is going to present mm-hmm. quite the challenge. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to outright say Sean Doyle is the winner. It's been a long time since I've seen him compete, but he's a very intelligent lifter. Uh, Shane has also been kind of, you know, he fell off after last year's showdown, uh, and his training as of late has been going very, very well. Uh, I think Shane and uh, Shane and Sean will probably pull somewhere near the same. It's all going to come down to who squats more and who benches more. Uh, and on paper, it's, you know, Sean – is benching more and Shane is squatting more, but who knows what what Sean can pull out, dude? He hasn't stepped on the platform in two two years, uh, two and a half years. Yeah. Um. So, so you know, who knows how far he's come since then? Um. Shane Haller is. You can also find this on another podcast. Shane Haller is like my number three favorite powerlifter of all time. Uh, he like the biggest reason is I don't know if you guys have ever met Shane, but Shane is a freaking anomaly, dude. Shane's like six six or six eight. He's jacked to all fuck. He his squats, his deadlift is a beautiful conventional pull, and uh, he's one of my he's one of my favorite people to watch in person. And not only that, dude, just an all around stand up dude. Every interaction I've ever had with him is absolutely positive. I'm not gonna say Sean's the runaway. I redact it. I, I just I, I'm I'm torn between Sean and Shane. Yeah, it's close. It's very close between them. I'm and also just uh, it's it's something I'm excited to see because this is. I guess this would be the weight class where, you know, going on to the untested side, I'm not too familiar with. So it's something that I'll be, like, it's it's good to actually watch these meets and actually gain a familiarity with these lifters because it's not something I get to do that often. I'm really excited for that because just based on projected dots, uh, what they have in the past, it's very close. And also, you can't, it doesn't matter who you are in the sport of powerlifting and what weight class you're in, when you see those numbers, it it impresses you. It it entertains you. It's awesome. It's fantastic to watch, and it's just it's going to be another aspect of this meet. that's going to be fantastic. It's like it's going to be start to finish amazing, and this weight class is another example of that. Um, one person I don't want to throw out of three hundred eight uh, is Luke Nall. So Luke Nall did sign up super heavyweight, but he is uh, yeah was, on going three hundred eight. Okay. Uh, so so uh, uh, permitting he goes three hundred eight. Uh, I, I think it's uh, equally uh, Luke could uh, could take the class. Uh, Luke and I have been talking a lot about what our goals are for the meet, and um, you know, Luke's goals are obviously a little more ambitious than mine are. Um, but uh, as far as his goals go, uh, a, a 
Luke wants to do at like somewhere close to 2300. Um, so if, if that happens, I think, I think Luke is going to run away with the class. Um, Luke's performance history in the past has been pretty spotty. So we've had some, as far as attempts selection goes, obviously he wants his opening attempts to be a little heavier. Um, you know, I, in the end, you know, I, I'm going to tell him what I think we should do in the end. It's still ultimately going to be his choice on what he puts up. I will not be able to actually handle him on meet day as I have already, uh, you know, committed to commentating the contest. And he had a little bit of issues with his uh, right knee about six, about seven weeks out that we managed to come back through, but he didn't get to hit, uh, we didn't get to hit it as heavy of a squat we wanted to in prep. So it was a great, beautiful squat. We spent a lot of time reworking his technique uh, in the squat, and it's gone considerably better. Um, the, uh, Luke's biggest issue, frankly, is he just like drives twenty four seven, and when you're fucking three hundred twenty five pounds, uh, driving four hours and tip quite the toll on you when you go and try to train immediately after on a McChicken and some French fries. So, uh, <clears throat> but he's had um, the best deadlift prep pretty much ever. And his bench is the smoothest and consist, most consistent as looked. Luke in the past has been notorious for, uh, you know, just kind of slamming up 600 pounds every week and it looks different every single week. So uh, Luke is one who I'm obviously biased and highly excited to see. So uh, frankly, I think that this class is a huge toss-up between Shane, uh, Sean, and Luke permitting he still wants to go 308. We have a water cut protocol in place. Uh, in the end, Luke is just kind of a wild card. He just it just kind of still does what he wants to do. So Yeah, because that changes, I, yeah, that it changes that, a little bit. Yeah. That three-way battle maybe the most interesting in the meet. I, I'm not, and I agree. He's uh, a three-way because that is a, because all, so obviously Luke has the potential for 2,300 if he cuts down the three-way. I'm looking at Shane and Sean, and I both think they can probably go 20. I mean, Shane's training looks great. Sean is notorious for he, he doesn't post, and then he shows up and wins huge meets and then goes into hiding for another two years. Yes. Um, he hit some huge lifts in June of last year, just in training. He had an 891 deadlift and an 870 squat, so he he could randomly show up here and throw down 2400, and then exactly. here for two years, and then which was initially why I said I think he's the runaway because he literally does that. He comes back two years later, PRs his total 100 pounds finish lease. and so um, you know I, that's why initially I said he's the runaway. But I absolutely do not, and the only reason. And I forgot about Luke because I was at this spreadsheet we have, and I forgot to mention that he was going 308. Once I saw the super headway, I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it's. I think that will probably be the closest three-way battle amongst the weight class we'll see all day mm-hmm. as far as top placing goes. The yeah. rest of the weight class is, I think, there's a pretty obvious front runner. And then, you know, two through five, as far as two through seven, uh, are all very close. I think this weight class is going to be very different. One through three are all a toss-up. Yeah. Well, just something from the Twitch chat real quick. This is aimed at you, Garrett. Who cares about total when you have the world record McChicken? <laughs> this is a reference to uh, some live videos I was doing on my way home from the gym for a while. Uh, I would uh, buy a McDouble on the chicken and see how quickly I could eat them. McDouble in uh, like nine seconds, and I've got a McChicken in like 15 seconds. So that's the, that's the reference. <laughs> well, I'll gauge it. Sounds, I mean, uh, Gary, it sounds like you have to get on Twitch. That's something you can do on Twitch. You make double McChicken and then go deadlift right after that. That's something yeah, that that's, that's very Ben Rice. Like TikTok thing. It does. It I do- agree. But I do not have TikTok and I will not be getting one. Oh, I hate TikTok. I hate, TikTok I hate the entire culture, dude. I hate all of it, man. 
I don't I, see it. It, yet. it drives me insane. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we got the well, super heavies. From the super heavyweights, I don't want to say it kind of brings the super heavyweight a nice possible three-way battle between Thomas Davis, Craig Foster, and Luke, which that's, that's just an interesting battle because Craig, he's going to win that biggest squat. Yeah. Probably by almost 100 yeah. pounds. Yeah. He's got that. So he gets out to this early subtotal lead. Then TD. you have Thomas Davis with a 700-pound bench. And then you have Luke with the big deadlift. So we don't have that same storyline now. We just have Thomas versus Craig. So we're going to have the huge squat. We're going to have the huge bench. Thomas definitely has the edge when it comes to deadlift. Most likely he's going to have him on total two, uh, um, unless Craig can up that 666 deadlift. Um, but uh, one thing that could be interesting here, I, I, I'm i going to make the prediction the biggest total will come from the 308 and not the super heavyweight. Deadlift. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that all the way around. I do think the big – Biggest total will come from Wade. Um, otherwise, I think the biggest total will probably come from TD. Um, uh, TD is—he's always kind of up in the air on his lifting, man. Um, he's got a little bit of a sloppier approach to the three lifts. I think we can all agree there. Um, his squat is a little dive bombed, which is a little crazy to see from a 400-pound man. The bench, while it is more common to see um, sunk benches at these heavier weight classes, his is a little bit extreme. And uh, depending on the pauses on the day, he's going to have an issue with that. And uh, his deadlift, he does not deadlift like a 400-pound guy. He does not absolutely at all. He's got a pretty spectacular deadlift uh, for his uh, size. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think his deadlift is going to kind of be the biggest toss-up of the event because depending on what he – honestly, what he – He's so explosive. I mean, he could land on a bad day, you know, uh, anywhere between 780 and mid-8s. It would just depend. Thomas is more of a wild card as far as attempt selection would go. He would be the type of person to, you know, pull 8 on 2 and then do some 60 on 3 just to try to win the class and then actually be able to finish it. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest wild card as far as it goes uh, through the men is honestly TD because he it, he just has the most unpredictable potential performance in my opinion. Um, one per I'm really excited to see Jackson Powell, man. Have you guys yes. watched yep. any Jackson, man? Jackson's like 19 years old, little doughboy from out there in West Virginia or Tennessee, one of the two. And this kid is a fucking freak. Recently squatted nine something in sleeves, just ridiculous. High eights, just something. I don't remember it, but something ridiculous. Obviously, doesn't quite have the deadlift to match yet. But just getting to watch that kid squat alone is, is going to be freaking yeah. stoked for that. Yeah, because he went. By, I mean, he just recently. Oh, I shouldn't say recently. Well, kind of. He competed in 2018, but that was before he blew up. Then he was kind of a football player lift, going viral from his football, like football lift. Yep. About 2020, he started actually competing. Yeah, he hit 903 in sleeves. He tried 970 in wraps. I don't know if he missed it or if it was a depth call back in looks like May. But yeah, super super strong kid. At 19, he was 18 in in June or May. So I guess he's probably just turned 19. So um, yeah, he's crazy. It's, I believe he's pro- and if. I believe that now just thinking about it, that he is probably the youngest competitor on this roster. Hmm. Uh, him, Yeah, I think Jackson Powell is the youngest competitor on this roster, which is, I mean, always exciting to see. Um, I've lived that experience. Um, and it, it's, it's, I don't think Jackson being the size he is is going to be 
be intimidated by any, but I d definitely can tell you it's a very intimidating experience, um, especially your first time being on um, this stage. I mean, it's 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 a pretty high level, uh, obviously, stage, and uh, we'll see if anybody who you know it's their first time here if they crumble under that. All that being said, uh, Steve, um, let me hear your podium. So we'll go top five. Top five gets cash payouts. First place, massive shocker. Prepare for this, John Hack. <laughs> Second place, I've, I've got predictions out here. So I've got, I'm going to say the numbers too. I've got John Hack going 22, 24, 652 dots. I've got Chad Penson going 21, 116, 621 dots in the second place. Third place, I've got Jamal Browner, 2255, 606 dots. Fourth place, Zach Myers, 2300, dots. And then fifth place, I've got Blake LeHue, 1895, 583 dots. So we have the same podium, uh, just in a different order. So I've got Hack in first. Uh, I've got Nick. What'd you say? Stole my pick. <laughs> I, got, I have Zach taking second, Jamal taking third, Henson taking fourth, and uh, Blake LeHue taking fifth. But I uh, now especially knowing. Uh, there are two people who I don't want of this poll. Um, that why well, I may not have them in the top five immediately, and that's just because of you know past meet performances or just unknowing this. Um, Danny Grigsby and Luke Knoll. There are two people I don't want to exclude from the potential of, of podiuming at this contest. Um, Sean Doyle is also on that list for me, as well as Shane Holler. So. Uh, um, while I may have my immediate top five picks uh, logistically, I don't think any of those three are necessarily out of the running. Um, another one I think that has the potential of a top five, permitting attempt selection, is uh, Max. Um, so we have agreements there as far as the extended placing goes. Um, uh, Angelo, let me hear your podium. All right, yeah, and you, you brought some good points there about Danny. Like that's a, That's a really good guy to break into the top five, but right now... I just it's it's hard for me, and also with what I said about Kamal Browner, just like the, the sometimes that deadlift is uncertain to me. But I'm gonna go Hack first. Sorry, gentlemen, um, I had to pick last there, and I had to pick up. So I'm gonna go Browner second. I'm gonna go Myers third, Penson fourth, and LeHue fifth. Yeah, I th think I think Zach and Jamal are pretty interchangeable for second or third, uh, generally speaking. I think they kind of have an equal opportunity to be second or third. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest reason, Steve, I don't put Penson that, that high is I think, and I love Chad. This is not a knock on Chad. This is purely speaking as one would be, you know, say you're an analyst in another sport. Um, I, do, I really do think Penson is going to struggle with his, his squat in uh, sleeves in terms of depth. I really do. I think he'll have a solid deadlift day. His bench has gone pretty solid this prep. I think he'll bench over five, no problem. Um, but uh, I just I don't have um, I don't no, I don't I don't particularly have a lot of confidence in his sleeve squat. I, I'm not saying it's squat eight hundred. I think it's high. I think it's possible. You know, like I said, I think the higher level guys um, have, there's a much higher chance of them bringing their squats down to depth um, versus training uh, at a contest. Um, I just. 
honestly, if I'm if I'm being frank, that 800 pound squat was just so high uh, that he did. But I, I I don't think I think it's going to be quite the challenge for him to get that on the platform. Well, I'll put this out there because obviously I'm different. I put him second, and you put him fourth. Let's say he squat. He just hits a second, which is probably like seven sixty something. Right. That takes him down to like. And again, this is when I make we make these projections. We we assume people hit lists. All of these people are probably right. Miss right. Lists. Yeah. If he goes down sixty pounds or fifty pounds on a squat, that takes him to twenty sixty. That's a six oh six point five nine dots, which pretty much on the button is with what Jamal's at right now with our predictions. So as well as Zach, I, as well as Zach though. Zach. Well, well, I'm getting at there. Second place. Is, is going to come down to the last pull. I don't. Here's the one thing I didn't think about, which is now making me redecide things a little bit. I'm going to stick to it, but where it gives some credit. I'm not sticking to anything. <laughs> I will sell out immediately. Do it on you commentary. Have, sell out on commentary. You guys, you guys have my general projections. What I never. The only thing that I'm generally pretty hard pressed on is that Hack's going to win it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. In the sense, hacked or Browners probably getting the last pull of the meet, if not last pull of this. Well, Zach Myers, I don't know. I don't know how the flights are going to be made up, but Pinson versus Browner, I think I'm pretty sure I can say Browners might be in a different flight, which means he's going to know what Pinson did and be able to load the bar with what he wants. I'll be frank with you, man. I'm going to be pretty fucking pissed off if like the top 12 potential podium men aren't in the same flight. I mean, uh, uh, there, it's 2021. There's no reason we can't adjust flight orders based on potential to win. Uh, I'll be pretty upset if, if that's the case. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie, dude. I'll I, mean, be pretty I would up- love that, but do we have any precedent that a untested meet is going to actually do a, a section like that? I mean, the Kern did it. Yeah, they did. The Kern had their... They actually did. Okay. They, they had their primetime flight, they called it. Um you know, I'll actually throw a DM to this group while we're in this call. We have a big group um, for the for the meet. I'll actually ask uh, Luke and JP if uh, if that's a possibility because I think I think that could that could bring viewership to a a, a massive level. Oh, it would be um, amazing! Because I mean, not just I mean, just truth is like this is going to be a long day. Not everyone going to have eight to nine to sit down. And we don't want people in the chat going, when's Jamal lifting every five seconds, a.k.a. Uh, your meat. Um, if we all just knew when this flight's going and we could tune in, uh, yeah. If we can see Hack and Browner and you and Doyle and Null and Max and all in the same flight, that would already be the greatest flight in the history of powerlifting. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I think we all have Name five people on our podium. It, it all just comes down to order. Um, and uh, I think generally that's who the podium is mo- more than likely going to be based on past numbers. I think we all also have the same extended podium as far as people who could potentially the podium are going to be very close. And that's Shane Holler, Max, um, Sean Doyle, um, Luke Knoll, and Danny Grigsby. And I think I think those are the other like standout yeah. potentials to podium. The, mm-hmm. Those five. Um, oh, uh, now that we've got the men out of the way, uh, um, one thing: bathroom break time. How do we do that yeah. on Twitch? Well, <laughs> do you want to do? We do bring it. the webcam into the bathroom. I was gonna say, well, I, wait, we're probably gonna go another hour and a half. So I figure 
nice little nice little break here. Well, real quick. well, well. The, the women's hour. roster, the women's roster is considerably smaller. That's kind of what I was going to go into. Easy, I, Garrett. You guys don't Easy. need one. Go Easy for it. Say. I'm gonna go take a quick one while you guys uh, break no, down. No, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do the same. I'll do the same. We'll do that real quick. And we are back from our little piss break. I didn't take one because I'm a trooper. To talk about our females who will be competing at the showdown. So just like the males, we're going to go weight class by weight class. Um, it's going to be pretty exciting to see, I, as, as Garrett alluded to. I think it's going to take a little quicker, mainly because just the female roster isn't as large. But we still have some which really is, compelling matchups here. Yeah, which is you know also usually the case um, at these high-level meets. It's usually two to one, uh, men to women. Mm-hmm. Um, or at the local level, it's usually pretty even. I don't know why that is. I'm not going to try to go and take a shot in the dark at the psychology behind high-level winning competitors. But um, usually the women's roster is just considerably smaller. Um, what I will say is it's not often that competitors in the 114-pound weight class. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. I really like to watch the smaller women compete. Their lifts are usually near immaculate. I love watching them. And so here we have um, Jen Rothsinger, Angelina Bennett, and Sam Bouchard. Mm-hmm. Um, Angelina, quick note, Angelina and Sam are both coming down a weight class. So the, the, the numbers we're looking at, we're at a weight class up, and they're both coming down. Interesting. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Uh, as we know, like Jen is quite the veteran uh, in, her, in her class. Um, I believe her best sleeve meet, she did like a 550. Uh, She's been competing in wraps pretty consistently for about the last two years. Um, so we'll see what she can do there. Um, looks like she's missed a 200-kilo deadlift um, for a couple of years uh, since the 2019 tribute. Um, but Jen, is, Jen for me, because um, also she's very much so a clutch gene competitor, mm-hmm. is probably who I have taking this class. Is Jen with uh, Sam taking second and Angelina taking third? But I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, you know see Sam overtaking Jen potentially as far as the class goes. So yeah. I just think Sam could be interesting to see for the reason that I mean uh, she did the showdown, the hybrid showdown, uh, but she's been a long time uh, CPU and IPF competitor yes. that switched over. Um, obviously, I mean if you take her total from a weight class up, she beats Jen. Jen, this total loss from 2019. I, I looking at her lifts, her deadlifts looks really good. Her bench looks good. It looks like her squat hasn't quite been in this form. Um, I don't know if she can hit 369. The 330, I think she just posted, looked kind of kind of difficult for 330 if she's going to be hitting 370. So I, th- I think we could actually have a decently close battle with Sam and Jen. So I, it just depends on what uh, Jen can bring on squat and what the weight cut effect is on Sam coming down to this weight class. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, regardless, you know, I, it's not often that on the untested side that you get to see um, the, the 114s and 123s uh, compete. So seeing some 114s here, I'm stoked. Unfortunately, there are no 123s in the contest yet, um, permitting everybody makes weight. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy consensus to reach. Yeah. Also, I've got both of them. We'll talk about it. I got both of them outside of the top five, but they're in my list of about three or four people that could possibly yeah. sneak into that money um, if some other people uh, miss the list. Yeah, Jen is also in my extended podium as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, she kind of falls um, a little bit into that top eight range with Jen Rotzinger, uh, Team draft, uh, Jeffy athlete. And for, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I have our open powerlifting pulled up. Predominantly a rap squatter, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. so that's where like, I'm really curious to see what goes on with the wraps and how she is able to, or with it being raw and how she's able to hold up. Uh, I remember she was kind of one of the first powerlifters on the, on the female side that I started watching. Because uh, my friends did this meet in Florida, and she absolutely killed it uh, at that meet. Yeah, so. that, was, that was where, at the time, I believe she broke for a short period or got close to the hot dot score. Um, done for a while, or got really close. She did like a 600, 605. 606 um, in wraps is her best, and then 571 raw back in. She, her best list raw about 2018, 2019. She hasn't quite had the same performance since. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with, you know, I mean, this is powerlifting. It's like every other sport. The older you get, the harder the sport becomes. Yeah. So, and Jen, I believe, is one of the um, more seasoned female contest, which I, regardless, I'm very excited to see. Mm-hmm. Moving to 132. There, to me, there's a standout here that I want to talk about uh, because I love watching her, and that's Whitney Baxley. Yes. Uh, um, I mean, she probably has one of like my favorite deadlifts on the planet. She's got that. that uh, uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, Kim Walford's but- deadlift, and I, I just absolutely love it. She's a little newer to the sport, uh, and so to me, She's kind of the obvious takeaway in this class um, with with Cora. The problem with Cora is Cora's attempt selection is never really on. I've watched Cora for a couple of years now. Um, Her attempt selection is usually pretty spotty. Um, I'm going to pull up her open power thing. The last meet she did was the current, and uh, she missed two of her squats, I believe, on depth. Uh, And then her opening deadlift and her opening bench, or no, her opening deadlift, excuse me, was like pretty heavy. She still went 10 keys up and it was quite the struggle. After that, she went, uh, looks like six keys higher. It's probably some sort of record. Uh, and it just, her attempt selection usually seems to be a little bit heavy in my opinion. Again, for anybody listening to this out there, this, no, nothing that we're saying is meant to be like a knock at any competitors. We're simply talking about, uh, you know, historical competitive, um, Advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. I think for her, the disadvantage is going to be wanting to open considerably heavier. You see that a lot when lifters, especially younger lifters, you know, she's 21 years old when they get to this platform. Uh, I talked earlier about, uh, you know, landmark benchmark numbers where people, you know, feel the need to open on a specific benchmark number. Perfect example of that is Cora at the, the current. She opened at 402 yeah. and then she jumped to 435. And then 440 and missed both. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, same with bench. She opened at 220 on bench. You know, the two plate benchmark number. And so, you know, you see a lot of that as as uh, younger lifters get on this stage. Uh, and as, I think, I hope that we don't see it again because I think Cora is also a pretty underrated competitor. Um, because, and I think that's only because of her, her, her past attempt selection. Uh, is always very excited to watch Haley Hill, um, uh, Julia Williams. And uh, Kiko for debt. Kiko is from California. She's also very lifters to watch. Uh, Julia Williams uh, did my Go Strong Huja Cup. And, you know, she had a pretty tough day there and still pulled out some amazing lifts. Angela, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. But she hurt, she yeah. hurt her hip on the squat. Hurt her grimacing on pain on her opening squat. And it was so evident that <laughs> something was wrong. And I was and that's, that's something terrible to see. Because Julia Williams, I think, actually might have been my favorite for that meet to win. 
uh, the female side. Yeah. Um, yes. A very good uh, untested or, or tested lifter. Um, you know, crosses into the USPA, USAPL. Really, Julie Williams' game, and I'm really, really hoping that he, you know, figures out what was going on, has a healthy meet, goes 9 for 9. I'm really hoping for that. But, yeah, I remember commentating that and just her being an absolute gamer and just getting through the entire meet with that. Um, I do completely agree, though. Whitney Baxley is the person I'm looking uh, looking forward to watch the most. I watched her at the Power Surge, and when she was competing, I could just tell such a raw lifter. Such a raw yeah, lifter yeah. with raw talents, but the numbers she was putting up was incredible. And I'm like, I, I actually think I remember I might have been talking to my girlfriend as she was pulling, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, if he figures out like really or gets a little bit more season in the powerlifting, he's going to be an absolute beast. And in that same meet was Haley Hill, who won that, uh, the won the female side at the power surge, and with Whitney Baxley getting third overall. Now, like. Kind of, we've seen her, we've seen Whitney Baxley get better, be a little bit more polished, and now I am, I am really high on her to take this weight class and potentially break into that top five. I love watching yes. her lift, and it was a, it was a pleasure to watch those two at Power Surge. Yeah. I, I'm gonna flip those two. You're saying though. Now I'm not discrediting Whitney. Whitney just competed though in May. She put up a 10.96 total. Looking to. You just hit a PR squat, and it looks like her deadlift's going better. So I expect I expect her to chip most of her list by 5 or 10 pounds. Haley Hill has the same total coming in from her last raw meet, but from 2020. Since then, she has added, uh, let's see, and we got 5 pounds over on her bench. We've got 16 pounds on her deadlift, and then she's only done wraps since then. Um, and her wrap squat has gone up. I think, I mean, either way... Going to be a really close battle. Whitney's most likely going to have the last deadlift, but um, Angelo, I know you've seen this. I've seen it multiple times. Haley is, is an executionist when it comes to the final deadlift. Absolutely, she will grind out her second attempt, and you think she's done, and then she puts on ten more or five more kilos, and then she grinds out a third, and you think she's done, and then she takes her fourth attempt and she grinds that out. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I think I'm. I, this is the closest in my. This is the closest like one-two battle for a weight class in my opinion, and I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Haley. I, I think she's gonna barely eke it out, and that partially will come down to the experience of being in these and, meets. And well, not only that, one thing I think that we have to wait too is both of these competitors traveling for their contests, and so we know the role that traveling can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not something we've talked about much, but generally speaking, I think they're both going to be uh, very well fit. For this, you know, Steve, I'll actually agree with you there that I, I think it's going to be a little tougher battle. Personally, I just like when Whitney Whitney splashed up in uh, you know 2019. She pulled 501 at a Florida meet, and uh, it, it was insane to see. And she's only she's consistently gotten. Uh, she had a couple rough meets, but then after that, she got her, her last two meets have consistently gotten better. Um, and I'm hoping that trend continues. But I'll agree with you and say that this is more than likely going to come down to. Uh, winning Haley fighting, and if Cora can put it together, I think she's also in that in that high running. Uh, Angelina Ara, um, she's one who I'm a little bit unsure about. I've followed her off and on for a couple of years. Her Instagram is Starlifter. Um, her last couple of meets were done in the USPC. Um, I've seen some of her meets. The standard is not great by any means, uh, and we'll just have to see how that transfers over here to the Showdown platform. 
Yeah, that that uh that matchup's gonna be really interesting there. Um, yeah, even but even with Whitney Baxley, like like Haley Hill has the veteran uh experience as well, where I think she's just so seasoned, won herself meets. I mean, all of her meets are big meets, right? Like if you just go through her open powerlifting, right. it's you know current U.S. Open showdown, showdown, you know surge pro day, like. And I the, the the like the least publicized meet he does is the surge meet, and that's still a big money meet with great competitors. But you know, with Baxley too, that same thing at the at the power surge. I do remember I was just like not sold at all that she was going to get a third deadlift based on her second go, how her second went, and it was it was very similar to Haley. She was able to grind it out, stick with it, and she actually made a jump that I just simply didn't agree with. I told, I was turning to people next, to her, I'm like that is way too big of a jump, and. Made me look stupid in front of everyone, which is kind of the case with you know whenever I'm in public. But um, it, it's going to be very great I feel to see. That, dude. Yeah, feel that like one of your takes are just so off in front of everyone. You look like a fucking idiot. You just want to go to the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's that happens to me way too often in sports um, and including powerlifting. But yeah, I'm really excited to see that. And now we have the uh, 148 pound uh, female division, and this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Division. I've always loved the 148 pound division, uh, and the biggest reason is, man, it's 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 an easy weight class to fall into for the majority of women. I mean, this is right around the average weight of a woman in the U.S. On top of that, I want to say this is the female weight, the most competitors by like a 20 percent margin across all powerlifting. Um, unfortunately, my initial pick for this class isn't doing the meet. That's Naomi Shepard. Uh, it would have been really cool. She's coming over from the UK. She's an elite FTS athlete, solid competitor, but she isn't doing the meet, unfortunately. Uh, after that, um, Chloe Lansing is just uh, Chloe Lansing is probably my favorite female to watch currently in the sport altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about Chloe countless times on this podcast with you, uh, and Chloe Lansing is, is is a favorite for me, fellow Ghost athlete, um, and she's constantly improving. And so she is somebody who I, who I believe she's still doing the meet. Um, she is, I think, is a dead giveaway uh, win in this class. Uh, I don't think anybody's really going to get within ten dots points of her. Even um, uh, after that, I've got, I've got, uh, I'm, you know, I just follow Wilkes order. Generally speaking, training in this class generally reflects that too. So yeah. for me, the one interesting with all of these project these numbers right here, five of these ten have never done a raw meet. I was just about to say, um, most of these are, are a really long time. It's a lot of wrapped lifters. Um, I think, uh, let's go through Barbara Lee, Caitlin Dunlop, um, Mary Fleckenstein, Naomi Shepard was one of them. Um, uh, and then Tasha Whalen, all, all these numbers are off of wraps. Um, so that will be obviously interesting to see the, the kind of transfer that, but Chloe's definitely doing it. So I was looking at her, her training, her training's going incredible. Yes. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible. She is top going for to numbers out of the water. So I, I have her very solidly in the top three, and she could probably push into second just based off of attempt selection and how the day goes mm-hmm. um, overall, not just in this weight. She's got this weight class um, more so, kind of the the overall placing. Yeah, I think I picked up notice of her from hybrid meet. Uh, really got to know kind of the backstory around her, and since then she's only been better. He's only gotten better since, and that's very hard to do. But to be a stand-up performer of a meet, or one of the stand-up performers hybrid, and get better since then, it's not easy. A lot of people are yeah, flashing the pants, and it, like, Chloe is not. Like It is fantastic watching her progress. 
Well, in the half bit too, is she hasn't just gotten stronger. She's become more technically proficient. Mm -hmm. It looks like her training has become much more intelligent in terms of fatigue management. Uh, um, I'm see what she does here, and I and I I don't even say her best her best uh, dots in sleeves is five seventy. Those are right here, uh, and you know she's done six hundred wraps. I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the question. I know it seems like quite the jump, twenty one points, but I don't think it's out of the question to see a six hundred dot score. From Chloe here, I really don't think it's out of the question at all. Um, I see that. That's, I, I think I've I've got her at five ninety six. Yeah. So, so. Uh, I, I, I I that would be absolutely amazing. Um, and for those of you listening who haven't looked up Chloe, uh, Chloe is also um, a disabled lifter. She she has uh, one of her uh, hands has an ailment. I'm not sure what it's called. She's talked about it before, and I don't want to disrespect her by uh, trying to describe it or, 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 you know, trying to guess on what it's called. But look into Chloe. She's a phenomenal lifter. She's a very technical lifter. Um, she's good at everything she does. And not only that, man, she's one of the nicest and coolest people you'll ever freaking meet. So, um, yeah, I think, I think 148, we have a general consensus on Chloe Lance and taking the class by, by quite a, quite a, um, moving into 165, which is also going to be, I think, a very interesting class. Uh, you know, uh, Brianna and Christy Hawkins, it's a very funny relationship they have. Uh, they've competed together in the past at uh, Reebok, where they were breaking the deadlift record back and forth on their attempts, which was really cool to see. And then uh, down the road at the 2019, <laughs> Christy was Brianna's head judge for her uh, world record deadlift. Uh, and so it's a very fun relationship they have there. And um, obviously, as far as Wilkes, as far as dots goes, and total goes, um, I'm giving the bag to Christy. I mean, I know she's training injured, and I know it isn't, isn't necessarily going the greatest. But generally speaking, I'm going to give the bag to Christy. Uh, obviously, following closely behind her. What I will say about Brianna is her training has been insane. Insane. Yeah. I believe she benched 300 double. Um, so I'm expecting to see the 300 pound bench being broken and putting on 25 pounds on a bench. is huge. It's massive. Uh, I believe she's looking for a 500 pound squat, a 300 pound bench and a 600 pound deadlift, which would be a 60 pound total PR, which would just be absolutely outrageous to see a 1400 pound total pulled out from Brianni. Brianni's my age too. She's 24, 25. So, um, you know, seeing as she's also a, a little bit of a younger competitor. There's just so much to still build on. And uh, I'm, we're going to give second in the class for her. Though I won't throw out of the question with Christie's injury and Brianni's progression that Brianni could overtake uh, Christie. So um, I, I crunched some numbers there because Christie can uh, look at her training. She just deadlifted 601 for two. So the, the quad injury is not affecting her deadlift. So let's assume she can she can deadlift 601. It's not affecting her bench. Let's see. She'd say she can match her 341 bench that she did. She would only need a 480 squat to still beat a 500, 300, 600 total from Brianni. And looking at it, uh, she posted her hitting a 530 squat and saying, oop, it still hurts. So I've got her at a 520 squat that probably still likely has her winning pretty handily. It's unfortunate you don't get to see her at full strength because she's arguably right now the best female powerlifter in the world. Uh, and she has been in the past before too. 
She uh, had the highest yeah. dots and highest total achieved under super heavyweight in women's for the years that yep. she's been doing. I mean, this. even if Hunter was competing and Mariana didn't uh, retire, if Christy was coming in fully healthy, she might be the she, she could very likely be the favorite of like those those in sense the the top lifters. Um, dots wise of all time. Yeah, I think the others I'm excited to see in this class. I love watching Bria lift. Yes. Bria lifts. That's uh, Chad Penson's wife. Uh, uh, she lifts with just like it's exhilarating to watch her lift. There's like a it's it's um she she's tough as nails, man. She's got this very scary face on. And the second she's done with the lift, she's like freaking out, loving it. Here, let's go. But uh, up until then, she's pretty intimidating to be around. I love watching Amanda Fiatella. She's not talked about often. Uh, her Instagram name is like Amanda's, and the E's are replaced with. She is wonderful to watch. She's consistently at these high level meets. She consistently puts up uh, a solid uh, high fours, low fives dot score, and that's that's always exciting. The other one I'm excited to see you come back onto this high level platform is Ashley Contorno. She's very fun to watch. One of the most jacked fucking people you'll ever meet in your life, dude. It's, she complimented my arms. Uh, uh, so that's the reason why yeah. she's no, I don't know. Yeah. No, the point is, I, one, I don't have much arms on me. Well, that's my point. Like, yeah. if, I, I, if anyone ever compliment me on my calves, they're my favorite person ever. No, yeah. But but it was just crazy to me because her arms are literally bigger than mine. So I was like, well, okay, okay. Uh, I'll take it. But, I mean, overall, another class where the top two are generally going to run away. And then the, the remaining six will all be, be right within that same uh, high fours, low low and low mid fives threshold. Uh, so uh, going to be another very fun class to watch as far as competitiveness amongst the class goes. Yeah, I'm really excited to see this. And, you know, when we talked about the hybrid, we talked about there being a bit of a lull in the untested side females with, you know, Steffi Cohen going on and going into mixed martial arts and boxing. Uh, Mariana has retired since. So, like... That matchup between Steffi and Mariana was so incredible at that curve, right. and that was the story. Now this is it. This is the story. Brianni Terry is no longer underrated. She's no longer overlooked. She is a premier performer. She has gotten the recognition from that meet from the hybrid, and since her training is going so well, it's continuously getting stronger. The momentum is there, and then you have Chrissy Hawkins and then Hunter Anderson. This is now it. This is now the main attraction of untested female powerlifting, these three females, and what they're going to do going forward and progress their lifts. And it's going to be very fun to watch because right now, Chrissy Hawkins and Hunter Henderson have a bit of a lead there as far as total goes, as far as dots go. But Brianna Terry's momentum is phenomenal. I am confident she's going to pull 600 yes. pounds. Her deadlift in training is looking very, very strong. I think 600 pounds for her is a, I think a shoe win. Like, it looks fantastic. That's my I guess that's my prediction. My bold hot take for this meet is what she's going to pull. And you know I I still think Chrissy Hawkins is a bit of a lead there just uh, just generally. But this is I think once we start getting into whatever meet these lifters are going to do next, I I really don't know what it is because you know there's a lot. I know the the ghost clash and the hybrid are just so close to each other. Who knows which one, what lifters are going to do, if they even decide to do either of them. I have no clue. But this is going to be the story going into the current. Those big uh, untested meets are going to be this weight class and these three females. And that's it. there it is. We got a little heat for that for hybrid for our recap of hybrid. But now this is it. This is what replaced it. Like this weight class. 
this weight class and these three women are going to replace the the, the storyline of uh, Marianne and Steffi. And I'm excited yeah. for it because that was one of – so that year, Steffi Cohen, Mariana, and Amanda Lawrence and Daniela Mello were my favorite things to watch in powerlifting just period. It was awesome to see how close – I you never get to see lifters that close competing head-to-head, and we got to see both that year. Huge for women's powerlifting, huge for the sport, and this now can replace it. Yeah, and – Seeing the transition that we've had uh, on, on both ends, male and female, where, um, you know, the heavier weight classes, uh, 242, 275, 308, super heavyweight for men, were like the premier um, in terms of spectatorship because, you know, we didn't see a lot of the really strong middleweight and lighter weight contenders yet. And, you know, dot scores and Wilk scores weren't as well cared about in the past. So it was mainly about total on the lighter weight classes and the opposite kind of happened in female power thing where it was the one you know the, the 132 the, the 148 always been pretty prominent but those lighter weight classes were very popular for a long long time especially when you know Steffi excuse me Steffi Jen Rothsinger and Mariana were all in their primes um, you know now we're seeing that transition into the 148 165 and even the 181 uh, not necessarily this meet but just on a national level, starting to transition is also very, very, very nice. I, I, I love it. I love watching it. Um, you know, women's powerlifting has taken off so much in the past couple of years, man. Uh, it, it's not going to be long before the totals that we were seeing strong men put up are now what strong women are putting up. Yeah. I mean, the actual totals, mm-hmm. which is pretty nuts to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, considering the group we have here, two strong guys and then a guy who has a 1286 lifetime. On PR total, yeah, I, I'm not very competitive. <laughs> if I was in this weight class, uh, if I was, so we talk about we've used this kind of terminology before, like most impressive performance. I, I think I, I'm picking Christy to win, right? But I likely isn't going to have, and since quote unquote the most impressive performance, she's coming. Assuming she's coming in injured, she's going to probably do a little less than what she's done. Um, it's going to be insane, but not her best. It's probably going to be I, my pick between going to be between Briani and, um, and Chloe Lansing yeah. for most impressive performance. One of those two is going to hit their, their lifts, and if they do, I mean, if both of them do, Briani's probably going to take it. Um, but one of those two is going to have um, I don't want to call it the breakout performance because they've already both broken out at the hybrid showdown. But they're going to kind of bump from that 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 tier to that that elite 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 tier, mm-hmm. um, if not both of them doing it. So um, also update from the Twitch stream. Some really creepy dude I talked to on Instagram sometimes, Joe Stanek. He just followed us. Um, I'll make sure to block him after this because I don't want him. Uh, hot take. Hot take for Joe. Alico combo racks fucking suck. Why would you spend your money on them? Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, shit. That is, that, is a, that is a hard way to just enter a chat. <laughs> like like nah, the person who sponsors the gym. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it, dude. That combo rack is flimsy. It's loose. Boost, the bench is awful. The model, I guess, was pretty good. Oh, because they were basically free. Yeah, fine, fine. But you know it, and I know it. That combo rack fucking sucks, okay? All right, All right well, moving on. What if- I don't think we're ever going to be sponsored by Lyco anyway, so we're good. Like you could say, I don't think we're ever going to have a- <laughs> Yeah, I will take that any day over an ER, though. Please, please. please. Oh. Give me that over. All right, so I got to use one because I actually enjoy the ER. I don't mind it. Like, I don't, I, I, I got to use now because I never use it like a. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. What? You do, you like the ER rack? I am under the thing that if, if it's. 
for benching, right? For benching, we're getting into a little bit of a sidetrack. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't like cornflakes. No, this is all right. So here's all right. So use a different fucking cereal than cornflakes. Let's use a different. Let's use kicks for example. So kicks is not the best cereal, but I could eat kicks and satisfy my hunger. ER rack, I could bench on it. It's not the. It's not a road combo. It's not a ghost. I don't mind it. I like kicks too. I like kicks still. I'm saying it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm stressing. I'm, I'm I don't stressing. mind. I don't mind it. I like it. Right, Whatever. It's fine. I could use it. Fine. Let's, let's, we'll we'll um, table this. I'm not forgetting. We'll table it. Let's go talk about the 181s. So, the the general favorite for this class would have been Sierra Hutton, but she's going through she's bodybuilding currently. So I was about to ask that. Content. I'm like, what's going on here? I saw, you know, I mean, actually, but over there, talk about her bodybuilding. Fantastic. Right. Yes. So, um, my pick for this class um, is going to be a toss up between two people. Um, I don't. I don't have it solidified. But um, the first one, uh, who I generally think is going to get first place, is Terry Ashley. While you weren't able to find her numbers, it's listed in open powerlifting as Terry Ashley, oh, not okay. Terry. Oh. So um, she she's she competes out of California, uh, Boss Barbell. Um, and she's put up a five thirteen dot score, which other than Sierra is that loss in this class. And, uh, since then, she's added five keys to her dead, five keys to her bench, and I would assume her squats added some too. That was done back in 2019, uh, August of 19. So it's been two years. So generally speaking, it wouldn't be wild to think that you know we had some extra poundage on her numbers, and we could see something like a five twenty five thirty. That being said, too, Erica Stevens is my second. I've known Erica for a long time. She was a meat director out of Ohio. She's a, a USPA. She owns Rust Belt Barbell, which, by the way, is one of the only gyms in the country that has an athlete going to IPF Worlds and the Showdown Meet, which is kind of a little cool accolade. Um, and the IPF athlete is uh, Isaac Whistler. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, those are my two takeaways for this class. I'll be completely honest, man. Um, Kelsey, Taylor Ball, and Sarah, I have not seen any of them lift before. Uh, I'm not as active on the Instagram sphere um, and haven't been for a while, so I just haven't seen that. I've seen Brittany Chown compete. Uh, she competed at the Go Strong. She did not have her day there. I believe that was her first meet really traveling for, um, which, you know, I don't know. Not everybody, but quite a few people struggle when they travel for meets. Especially I mean, that travel, too. Uh, Sacramento, tra- right? That's travel yeah, tough. Yeah. Traveling from the West Coast to the Midwest, which is, is generally very, very tough. It's much easier going the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know for me personally, like, sleeping in a hotel bed is brutal. Like, I toss and turn all night. I never get a full night's sleep. Like, it's pretty tough for me. So, um, we'll see the kind of uh, how that manifests here. But generally speaking, I've got Terry taking first, Erica taking second, and then afterwards I would just generally follow um, past world scores and performances, probably pitting uh, you know, Taylor and Sarah as uh, close thirds. You have info that Sierra Hutton is out? No, she's definitely. She, dude, she's like 140 pounds right now. That's what I was saying. I'm looking. It looks like she's like in bikini preps, okay? That's why yeah. she had yeah. the biggest uh, – Nominated. Total. And Sierra is also one of my favorite female powerlifters to watch. Actually, her last contest 
uh, I kind of co-coached all of her technical coaching through that meet. And we, we managed to, to, to really, really put some good, solid work into all three of her movements. And it paid off for her massively. So yeah, Andy, seeing her do bodybuilding. Andy, um, Andy's her coach, right? Andy does her main coaching. Okay. I did all of her technical coaching to know. Okay. So we would, we would, you know, we do our weekly FaceTimes and breakdown lifts, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it, generally speaking, uh, she would have, she would have been an absolute favorite for this contest. She's also one of my favorite lifters to watch. She's been in the game for a long. I believe she's even competed at Rum in the past, if I remember correctly. Um, she is a, a, a solid lifter. And I really wish she was doing this event. Awesome! Yeah, a very exciting weight class to look forward to the one eighty ones. And without her, legitimately, I mean, four, five, five, four lifters all around that 1140 to like 1200 total. Yeah. Which is fucking insane. That's so, so that, nuts. That would be an insanely close battle. Um, all of them, I mean, I, we always bias towards final deadlift. They all deadlift around like 485 to 500. So they're, I mean, they're all pretty similar. Like, if you look at their squat bench and deads, they're all squatting about 435, 440. They're all benching about 220, 230, and they're all deadlifting 480 to 500. All, all four. You guys remember when a 400 pound deadlift in women's powerlifting was nuts? Like, and now we have a whole meet pulling mid fours, fives, and a couple 600 pound deads. Like, that's just fucking. Yeah, insane. the progression. Speaking of six, speaking of 600 pound deads, moving into the 198 weight class. Probably the the one that I'm the most intrigued to see of any competitor for this meet is Casey Romero. What are you what What are you guys thinking about about Casey coming into this meet? She hasn't really put together um, the a, a great meet as far as reflection of gym numbers go, uh, especially in the deadlift. Uh, she has one of the lower dot scores on the list, uh, not lower, more medial range with a 497. Uh, and fun fact, I believe she's actually coaching Dan Grigsby going into this meet. So what do you guys think about Casey coming into this meet? What do you guys expect out of her? She's a, she's a hard lifter to predict. But, okay, I, I got to ask you this because I'm, I'm, I'm just, again, following along with Instagram. Does Casey have a coach now? Casey only coaches herself. Okay, but was she coached at a point? point? She was coached by Joey for a bit. That's what, and that's she was what, coached yeah. by Hack for a month. It, like so, she she seems to be quite the coach hopper. Prop, you know, probably the the typical story of a lifter who knows they are very strong, has had some successes in in their approach, uh, and generally probably thinks she knows herself better and doesn't like to okay. work under somebody. Okay. Yeah, um, I had her on the show, so I had her on the show once, and she told me that uh, Casey was very clear that she only wants to coach herself, and then since. You know, it's been, you know, I saw Flex. I'm like, oh, wow, that is really interesting, getting Flex as a coach. I had no idea about Hack. So it is a very hard predictor to, or it's a hard lifter to predict because her gym lifts are fantastic. But even on two white lights, he's like, I'm not hitting these lifts on the platform. I, I you yeah. know, it was a strap deadlift. There's no way I'm hitting a strap deadlift on the platform to squat two. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to hit it on the platform. It's always such a wild card. Like, I really don't know. I think we're still waiting for her to put it all together and have that meet because there was a there was a point there where you would see her lifts and it would just stand out as some of the most impressive things you ever see and the next big female power lifter. But I, I think this has to be the meet where she really puts it all together. 
um, because all of the, I mean, you know, her squat always looked, has looked good, but then in meets, this doesn't really turn out that way. And then, you know, the, those strap deadlifts, man, um, I've, uh, I mean, I've, I've been very vocal about my, like my dis my hatred for strap deadlifts because I think lifters yeah. can fall in love with it too much and it really can mess up their deadlift leverage, not their grip, their deadlift leverage. And I was very sure. scared that was going to happen for her, but I'm, I really don't know. And within this weight class, I, 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 I could see her winning, but you know, we, I, I well, would really love I, to see I, a I nine. I could love, to, I would love to see a nine for nine meet from her because I think she has every bit she has she has the talent to be one of those lifters who, if you say showdown, Kern, um, hybrid, top five, she has that talent. Casey can be that, and I think right now we haven't seen it. Right, and then her her gym lists right now are looking. I mean, her squat she's hit five fifteen, which is well over the four eighty five she has there. Mm-hmm. She benched two eighty, well over the two thirty one, and she is looking like she's not using straps. She hit six oh six, kind of soft shoulders. Uh, um, she hit 573 by two. The first rep was for sure good. I, I definitely expect her to go well over this. Yeah, and, uh, and as do I. Very. I just, I just know that um, you know, like for example, the deadlifts. Like you know, she records at an angle where it, like, it can generally be very hard to tell if it's a lockdown. So, uh, and same with the squad, it can be very hard to tell if she's coming to death. So we'll have to kind of see what happens there. I think she'll blow this out of the water. She's generally my pick for the class. I'm not going to throw out Tanaya, though. Um, Tanaya competed at the Cronin Raps. She competed at another meet in California in Raps. She's done a 480 in sleeves. Um, uh, her name was spelled wrong on the roster. It's Tanaya, T-N-A-Y-A, T-E-N-A-Y-A. Uh, so... Uh, she's generally a solid competitor. She fucking hates me. I don't really care. I like watching her lift. Uh, I guess she got yes. pretty upset with me at the current for saying that one of her attempts was like cold, heavy. Something. I don't know. I don't know the whole backstory. But she definitely hates me, which is fine. I'll still have plenty of enjoyment watching her lift. Um, she currently, going into the class, has the lowest raw DOS score, but I think the highest potential to improve on score. So um, we'll have to see. Generally, if I had to call the class, I'd say it would go Casey and then be a toss-up between Kari and Tanaya. Kari McNair, uh, Kari McNair and Tanaya for second and third. I'm just going to – this isn't this meet. I just want to throw it out because we didn't cover the meet even though it was pretty notable. And there was one massive breakout performer from the Pioneer Open. Samantha Rice, I think, went 591 dot score um, in the 198 198- – um, I don't know if she's competed in any of these bigger meets, but she was incredibly and impressive. Samantha Rice has been around for a minute, too, man. We used to actually be sponsored by the same shitty t-shirt company way back when. And she's been around for a minute, man. Uh, she, she's, she's very, very fun to watch. Um, excited, to say the least, to see her um, in the future. Um, I believe she's doing hybrid. I okay. believe she's doing hybrid. Yeah. Well, going back to these, I think of these lifters, I picked Casey. And Casey's also the one that obviously, if she could actually put together a meet day, she could challenge for a top five spot. Yes. Um, It's just, and she's going to, I mean, there's a lot of people probably going to be stacked around that like five dot score. There are a lot of women, uh, which is going to be right around where you're going to need to kind of break in that top five, most likely. I think Casey can get there. It's just that she she has to do a bit more on the platform of what she's done in the gym. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
pretty uh, again see and this is kind of what we're talking about for everyone out there most of these weight classes only have three to four pairs per class in them so generally a little easier to sift through so uh don't worry my, my comment earlier we're not sexist or misogynistic just talking about logistical moments. don't even bother uh, to explain yourself Moving into the one night, well, dude, I get ripped off for everything. Okay, yeah, I know. moving into don't, the one night, I just got don't bother. Like you're, you're done. Yeah. SHW, <laughs> uh, I have a, have a, I have a pretty um, general pick for this one. Though I'm not going to throw out Amber Hansen. Uh, Hansen spelled E N O N, and another typo on the roster that we put out. Uh, the cool thing with Amber Hansen, man, she competes single. Or she, sorry, she competes raw, she competes raw with wraps, and she competes multiply. Nice. But you do not see a lot of it anymore. No. And on top of that, she's in her early 30s. So she's not like an older competitor who's been around forever. She's been doing this about five years, and she just competes in, in all ways. She's put up a 510 um, raw DOS last year at the showdown. Um, had a really solid performance, went eight for eight for nine, just missing a 501 squat, hitting a 303 bench. And pulling a 507 deadlift. She's a very well-rounded competitor, and she's not one I want to throw out of the mix. But my money is going to go to Kirsten Skurlock here. Kirsten is one of the strongest chicks I have ever seen in my life. She recently, I want to say like six months ago, dude, she squatted 666 in wraps <laughs> with no complaints about the standard of the, of the lift. Uh, in a UPA meet, um, and she did add seven and a half kilos to her bench and five kilos to her dead from her last raw meet. Before that, we're looking at about six months later. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to see something close to I, I, the way the, the way that Kirsten pushes herself and Luke pushes himself. You know, and they train together. I would not be surprised to see a six hundred pound. Here I know it might look a little outrageous based on her past numbers, but the way she pushes, man, I wouldn't be surprised to see a 600-pound squat, a 315 to 330 bench, and something like a 551 to 573 pull. I mean, anywhere in that range. She's a little more unpredictable as far, but she is definitely a meet day performer, a typical eight for nine, nine for nine competitor. Um, usually only misses like a, a last bench or a last deadlift. So Kirsten is done. Definitely my favorite to mm-hmm. win this class. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic lifter, uh, Kirsten Skirlock. Yeah, I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm curious. Again, this is something. This will be a weight class that will be, you know, watching the showdown. I will get to see these lifters uh, compete uh, potentially for the first time, aside from Kirsten. So that'll be good to see. And you still have both lifters. You know, 198 plus. You know, in that 500 dots. It's, not the easiest thing to do. Uh, so it, it's it's still you know you have impressive uh, all all five of, or all four of the lifters there are impressive to watch. Yeah, I think uh, Kirsten she plausibly if I'm looking at numbers from training um, and numbers from her past meet that she's been doing wraps plausibly go around like fourteen fifty total. Which one is probably going to take this class? Two that would put her right in that chunk of lifters with like Haley Hill, Whitney Baxley, Jen Rotsinger, Sam Bichard, Casey Romero, all of those people kind of battling for that like fourth to fifth spot. We, I mean, we're going to get to it in a second, but 
Christy, Brianna, and Chloe are kind of in their own league. And then we've got this group of about six lifters that are really stacked up on each other. I think Kirsten's the one from this weight class that could really kind of make a run um, at possible podium and, and for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I concur entirely. I mean, that it, again, she she is one who – she's a person who comes out and, and puts – you know, five, five to seven and a half kilos on each. You see a lot of, you see a lot of all-time PRs and contests, and mm-hmm. she's somebody who consistently does that. So, yeah. moving into our top picks, we will give Angelo first picks on this one. So, yeah. Angelo, let's hear your top five and your extended podium here. All right. So, I think first will be Chrissy Hawkins. Um, I think that's chalk for a lot of people for this meet. Uh, then. So, I mean, so Brianna Terry, I actually think she's going to give Chrissy a little bit of run of her, for her money, maybe a little bit closer than people think, but I still have her too. But then, on top of that, when I say Brianna Terry, I think Chloe Lansing is going to give Brianna a run for her money as well. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. the thing. So, it's like, it's it's cool. I think all of them are really going to push each other there. It, Chrissy, is, it, to me, is like, um, similar to Hack in a way. It's just like, th- you build a considerable lead, you know, in the time and uh, within the time of your powerlifting and you have that always kind of fall back on just that big lead. Actually, you know what? You know, exactly. You know, better comparison is Amanda Lawrence. Like Amanda Lawrence, like can just have this lead in powerlifting and go five for nine and still just be there and win. Like it just, right. it's that top. When you're strong, you're strong. Um, I'm, I'm not saying like her progression is the same as Amanda Lawrence, but it's just that's what happens when you're a fucking beast. All right, and then my fourth, I'm gonna go Whitney Baxley. And then I'm going to go Haley Hill for fifth. And then with the extended uh, podium, uh, with Ben Rotzinger being in that smaller weight class, I think she could actually really jump into a potential top five uh, if Casey Romero puts everything together. That is going to be one of the – that might be – I don't know. It's, it's funny in powerlifting and actually sports in general when you say breakout performer because what qualifies as breakout is that going to be a breakout performance from Casey because she's pretty well known in powerlifting – People have caught on to her for a long time, but is this to break out into her being one of the top females? Um, and then Kirsten Skurlock as well, uh, uh, throwing uh, throwing it in there. And uh, yeah, I think I think those are the lifters you can see in the top five. Uh, Sam could definitely break herself in there as well, but those are just some of the lifters I think. But you know, with the momentum built, could break into the top five. But yeah, my top five lists: Chrissy, Brianni, Chloe, Whitney, and Haley. But I guess with a hot take. The three being much closer than people are anticipating. Who do we got next? Uh, yeah, I'll go second. Um, so my top three is the same. Uh, Christy, Brianna, Chloe. Uh, I think Christy's going to be a dead. I think Chloe and Brianna are going to be much closer than people think. Um, after that, I honestly don't have a fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth. If I had to follow an order, uh, honestly, I would probably go. I'd probably throw Sam Bouchard at fourth. Um, reason being, the last raw meet she did, she did do a 538 dots. Uh, she builds off of that. Uh, and, you know, you know what? I'm going to redact that. Looking at her last she wrapped meet, too, she had a little bit of uh, regression on the bench press and a little bit of regression on the fourth. But she's definitely in my extended podium um i'm gonna go whitney baxley and then I'll, i'm gonna say kirsten scurlock 
Um, the reason I'm going to say Kirsten is I think she's really going to put a fuck ton of kilos on her squat. And I think that's going to add so massively to her total that uh, it's going to bump her up quite a bit. Um, but I, I again, I put Haley, Hill, Kirsten, Whitney, Sam Bichard, Cora Meekum, and Jen Rotzinger fourth to ninth place that I, frankly, I gotta, I gotta kind of sit on the fence here and just kind of not put a direct order to, uh, it's uh, frankly too close, too hard and too much potential to really be able to, uh, to give you an opinion that I wouldn't immediately like, you know, like exactly what happened when I, when I said Sam Bouchard, that, that I wouldn't immediately redact. So I, really I can only give my top three pretty confidently. Uh, after that, um, Casey isn't one I'm going to throw out. Um, I just, I really don't know. It's been so long since she's been competitive, been on the platform. She doesn't have much meat experience. I don't know how her attempt selection is going to be. I don't know if she's going to try to open way too heavy, which being frank, and, and again, there's no offense meant by this, uh, just based on the, some of the, uh, the uh, ego training I've seen in the past, I wouldn't be surprised to see benchmark openers, you know, 501 squat um, bench opener, or 275 bench opener, whatever be it, uh, uh, you know, 584 deadlift opener. I wouldn't be surprised to see things like that. Obviously, I don't know what openers, I don't know what her plan is, but I just wouldn't be surprised to see something like that. So uh, she's probably another one I have in my extended podium. All right. I'm going to follow suit. Christy, Briani, Chloe. Um, I'm more on the Garrett train. Um, I think Christie's pretty solidly going to win. But it's just the question of like by how much, and that's going to be based yeah. on the squat. I mean, if she can put up, she can just put up a 520 squat. That pretty much is going it, to, it's, it's going to be hard to catch her. Um, I got Brianni second and Chloe. I think Brianni's pretty solidly in second, but if she slips up at all with me going for Chloe, I really think that she could, she could kind of sneak in there. I hope again. Well, I guess they are pretty, one, uh, they're 148 and 165. Hopefully, again, these lifters are in the same flight and not separated so that when it comes to attempt selection and battling, one doesn't have prior information to make that call on. So we'll see on that. I will say solidly, I'm going to very solidly say I think Haley Hill is fourth. Hmm. Um, I, I believe she placed, she was not in the picture last year going in the showdown, and I believe she placed in the money last year too. Yeah, um, after, not real, after being kind of overlooked and not really talked about too much. I, I just think she's a performer and she does it on the big stage. Um, I think I very, I pretty solidly have her in fourth. Fifth, I'm going to go Whitney Baxley, but then kind of, as all of you said, Whitney, Jen, Sam, Kirsten, Casey, um, they could all be interchangeable based on kind of where they're at. I just like Whitney for the reason that her training seems to be really trending up more so um, than probably anyone else here. So. Yeah, and that on my initial list, she is also why I had fourth. On my initial list, I actually had um, the exact same calls as um, Angelo. But then, just the more I thought about it, the, the more the less confidence I had in the in the uh, you know bottom six, the the fourth place through ninth place, the less confidence I had in those decisions. But generally, it seems through both the men and the women we all have reached a pretty similar consensus mm-hmm. as far as our podiums go. So it's going to be interesting to see how much of this we get wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm freaking stoked. This is, uh, personally, this is my fate of the year. Um, I just would much rather 
watch raw meats versus rap meats. I typically have a shit ton of complaints at rap meats. I don't think they're judged to the greatest standard, and they're usually not done in the USPA anymore. Um, so, uh, you know, I love watching raw meats. They're easier to judge. They're easier to, to be a spectator of. They're easier to call. They're easier to predict. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of it. I, and I think generally, um, you know, most people are excited to see how this plays out. I'm just, man, I, I'm just going to be really disappointed when, when we finally see how many people actually drop from the event. Yeah, that will be kind of the, the issue with it. But even with that, like, still even with that, I think it was it was billed to be the meat of the year. And I still think, in many ways, it's the meat of the year still. It just, it, it, it got so hyped at the beginning. And then when you do that, it loses its luster. But uh, it's... I, I even think with it losing luster, it's still meat of the year as far as the untested goes. I mean, of course, my bias would go towards USAPL Nationals being the meat of the year, but I, I think I think Showdown is uh, uh, even the roster's release better than um, better than Hybrid, better than the Kern. I I think I, I think Showdown really takes that. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is what's looking, what's shaping up to be Pedalev and the most elite roster we have seen on untested contest to date. I'll throw out one more thing real quick. Biggest squat, biggest bench, biggest deadlift. I think Kirsten Skirlock has that wrapped up since Christie's hurt. Uh, biggest bench, Karina Davis has a pretty big lead on that. I think she's going to take that. Biggest deadlift, though, is where it will be interesting. I think Christie and Briani are going to go head-to-head. They both, they both both may go 601, but Tamara Walcott and Sierra Hutton are kind of in the mix, too. I think Tamara's hit a 601 deadlift in the Well, past. Sierra's not competing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Again, I have a – yeah. No Sierra. She's not in it. Yeah. Ghost deadlift. So, yeah. I would, Briani. I would agree with you uh, on the talk that you have. So, Kirsten, Karina, uh, Kristen on squat, Karina on bench, and then I'll put Briani biggest deadlift. Okay. Yeah. I will – well, I'll fall suit with that. Um, um, let me take a look. I might, uh, I might have a little bit of a. Uh, I think w- w- what weight class is Karina? One ninety eight plus, three sixty three bench. Yeah, uh, I want. I do want to take a look because only you know I'm. Uh, Christy Hawkins is pretty consistent with her benches, so I wouldn't be. Um, super surprised to see also potentially uh, Christy take it depending on the day that Karina has them. I just want to take a look at what her past meets look like just really fast, just to get an idea. I don't know. Okay, no, she pretty consistently benches. Yeah, no, Karina is also, yeah, yeah, we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Maybe that was just one meet where she didn't. Yeah, for sure. No, she pretty consistently benches. Uh, yeah, three fifty plus. So that that that's fucking all right. How about how about for the men's okay. side? Then? So I think the only other thing we got to look forward to is what are the stories we're going to see on Chad Pinson's uh, story of post uh, showdown answers. I don't know, man. I'm just going to kind of watch from the background and just see who does what or who, for that matter. <laughs> Uh, Angela, you're looking confused. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about. I'm confused where it turned into, like, 
four lifters just consistently posting on their story who they want to fuck the most in powerlifting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where did that happen? I because I just tune in. I'm like, all right, let's Dude, go. I'm like, it's me. It's meat prep. When trend comes into play, you just bet. Someone was asking when you were go- when you were at- for Gary if that was like your ultimate foursome. Yeah, I forget who you're talking about. But what yeah. was it? What was yes. your ult- ultimate foursome in powerlifting? I like how they just go to foursome too. It's like they skip. Yeah. Most <laughs> most people haven't had a threesome in their lives, so <laughs> like you're yeah. you're going with the extra one. Like I I I, I guess this I guess squat I guess squat mean deadlift or whatever. I think squat mean deadlift after you said that. Um, I think squat mean deadlift has had so many threesomes in their lives. <laughs> so many threesomes in their lives that they're they're like, okay, that's kind of boring now. I'm gonna foursome. Um, yeah, I just oh I just remember I just I'm getting on Instagram and then I'm like going through. I'm like, so John Hack, Andy Wang, Chad Petson are in a constant state of horny. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do? Yeah. I'm gonna make my my exit. I'm gonna let you guys close out the show. Uh, I, I, got, I got a couple places to be. Thank you so much for having me on. I cannot wait to do our next preview and post show. Um, and I think you guys a recap will see me this weekend on the live stream for sure, man. Yeah. I think a recap is coming. Definitely love to have a recap. We will with do you. the recap. Let's not forget our predictions so we can talk about them. Oh, we're gonna get uh, the graphic. We're gonna get the graphic going. Awesome. Yep. All right. All right, boys. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on. All awesome. right. Thank see you, man. All right. We are done. That is our episode of Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.